Previously on AFTN. Something I learned this this week is um, not to tell Michael where I watch the games. And, and, and have Michael not plug the, the place where you watch the games. Hey, either. but just trying to get a sponsor. And I, I'm. No. I'm Please, no. It. season is over. It's sad. But, on the plus side, it's our end of season special. Yay! Who would have thought on the 1st of September we'd be having our end of season special? This is the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I am Michael McCall. I am Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And we've got good news and bad news this week. The bad news is Steve Pander is not going to be able to be on the show. But the good news is Steve Pander is not going to be on the show. (laughs) So who knows what fun and games we'll have this evening without Steve being here. Lot to get through. We're going to talk Whitecaps. We're going to talk MLS. We're going to talk Canada. Now, it's been a busy week. A losing week for the Whitecaps. Shocking a that. Week of elimination. And a week, I guess, that they want to forget, especially when it comes to travel. But there was two matches since our last show on either side of the continent. First, Montreal. Canadian Derby. Midweek game. Wednesday. What did you make of that one? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard not to think of the... MDS's comments in terms of uh, the schedule he's made in the last uh, couple of weeks, especially uh, in terms of having to um, play, <clears throat> you know, a, a home game on a on a Saturday, fly to Montreal, play an away game, and then fly back for a home game on the following Saturday, and his frustration over that, or not home game, I guess San Jose was away, but still on the West Coast. Um, so yeah, I, I mean it. It felt a little bit like they were not. Uh, I mean, obviously, it, obviously, it wasn't as bad as San Jose, right? Like that was that was pretty awful. <laughs> yeah. So it, that was a really low bar to set. So they were better. Well, than Well, they that, didn't but... give up forty three shots, so that was a start. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, there are a number of metrics where they they were <laughs> they were better than the San Jose game, um, but I, I mean, you, you go to Montreal and you take the lead and you have opportunity to uh, to really put a nail into Montreal and it kind of I mean there's there's one massive turning point in the game right like in your opinion Michael I'm not there's I'm not wrong that the PK and what happened around yeah. that is the the TSN turning point. Yes. Or if we go back to last year, our fine lines moment of the match. There you go. But someone else took that idea. So <laughs> we, we won't go ahead with that one. But yeah, I mean, it was a big turning point. It basically sums up the Whitecaps season, I feel, when they can miss not one, <laughs> but two penalties, and it's the same penalty. <laughs> But we got to see something that, in, in all the games that I've watched with VAR, I don't think, or I can't remember anyway, seeing a double VAR where both teams got punished on the same On the incident. same play, yeah. Now that, 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 that had to be history in the making. Yeah. So it was Bush leaving early, right? Yes. Bush leaving. Bush, Bush came off his line. Yeah. So, th- so that encroached. negates that negates the save. Yes. And then they can't give the goal because they felt Ricketts encroached. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, to be fair, both are yeah, yeah both that, are valid. That's valid. Yeah. yeah. So But what was not valid was the taking of two very poor penalties. Yeah. And Jordy let's be Reina. honest, as well as Johnny Rayner has been playing. As bright a light as he's talk been. About that, yeah. They were awful penalties. Both. But obviously he had to take the second one when he had taken the first because he was at the spot and it would have been weird, I think, to switch them off at that time. But he hit the exact same penalty, pretty much. Well, the second one was worse, I felt. But I thought they were both good saves by Bush. So I well, want to give uh, Bush well, a little uh, bit of credit for that. Okay, but, but here, I mean, but yeah, when they a keeper saves... Penalties. Yeah, they're both bad penalties. When, it, when a keeper makes a save on a penalty, it's hard not to see it as being good for them. Except for those couple times you where you see where the keeper stands on his line and someone puts it right in his hand. Yeah. Um, like playing FIFA or something. Um, but... <laughs> uh, but neither, yeah, neither of those penalties were anywhere near to being quality. Not like, oh, you know, like a great diving save or uh, it was right going right in the bottom corner and, and the keeper just got a finger to it. No, like they were like perfect height and not nowhere near enough far over to towards the post. Yeah. It was another defeat. Going there, I thought it would be a defeat. You wanted to get some kind of reaction after the San Jose game and y- you got it. I mean, it was a better performance. There was some bright lights from it. In particular, I liked the attack. Reina, Ricketts, Chirinos. That partnership looked promising. Yeah. And I tweeted out, that's what I want to see for the rest of the season. I want to see how they can work together. I want to see if they can get some chemistry going. We got a little bit of a, a glimpse of it yesterday in, in the loss to NYC. But I'd like to keep these three guys together. For these remaining four games, play down the stretch, see what they can do. That is, of course, massively assuming that all three are going to be here next year, which who knows with any of the players right now. And I, I What's the Honduran status? Is it it's a loan? It's a loan to the end right. of the season right. with an option to buy once we have a look at him in the league. And, and the one thing I will say about him in the two games so far, he has looked knackered. Sweat just falling off him in the two matches uh, Wednesday I wasn't sure if it was sweat or rain yesterday it was definitely sweat yeah but the people's, people sweat differently though Michael oh yeah because my wife's thyroid <laughs> problems come back just now so she is sweating buckets on the plus side she's lost a lot of weight so that's good 
Well, she's always been on the kind of, she's been like a yo-yo dieter. Oh, okay. Problem is, her yo-yos are made of Oreo cookies, and that, that's basically been where, where she's <laughs> fallen down. Well, I just hope she's healthy, Michael, yeah. that's all. So I'm, I'm not saying Chirinos has got a, a thyroid problem, but I mean, it, it could be that. But I, I do like the three of them together. They are looking pretty good. No, yeah, I, he definitely added something. Uh, he, he, I mean, that was an, maybe the next decisive moment uh, from a Vancouver yeah. perspective is the fact that he couldn't get that ball past or over Bush yeah. when he was kind of put in alone there uh, in the second half. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bush on on the whole, but yeah, yeah, you have to kind of do better there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I thought the game on Wednesday night. Adnan was poor again defensively. Yeah. MDS revealed after the game he's been playing with an injury. So I was like, oh, he'll maybe get rested for, for the game against NYC, especially having played three games in eight days. It would have been... No, he played. So you have to you it, have to question why. Because the playoffs were still on the line, Michael. True. Come on. True. They were battling, for a, battling for a playoff position on Saturday. For a few minutes. 10, I believe. Yes, but why keep playing him? He walked out of the stadium yesterday with a, a noticeable limp, and you can actually see it as he was kind of on the pitch. He, he was kind of hobbling about a little bit. But there was one incident yesterday in particular where he was on a break with Montero. Montero had the ball. He was out wide. He was wanting the ball. Freddie went himself. Freddie didn't pass him the ball. NYC got it, quick break up the pitch. Now, instead of just getting back hell for leather, he took time to remonstrate with Freddie about not getting the ball and then just sauntered back to his position. And for me, that sums up what he's bringing to this team defensively right now. I love what he's doing on the wing. He's great. He has had some good defensive moments. But when you're playing a flat back four, that cannot happen. Hey, 32-year-old Ali Adnan is bound to... Oh, now you've chopped the years <laughs> off him. Is bound to, uh, you know, have discussions with his, you know, favorite on-field player in the squad when things don't go well. That's bound to happen. And uh, you want to get that sorted out right away before you hustle back, <laughs> back to defend. Well, to defend. If, if, we're, if we're talking also about his defending, his defending on the first two goals yesterday was absolutely woeful. Now, the first first goal for New York City, everyone's going to point the fingers at Johnny Risi. He took too long in the ball. He got caught. He got picked by, by Tony Roca. And then what happened to him? Then he disappeared at halftime. No one knows where he went. Pulled off at halftime. Something I've wanted all year, to see someone get pulled off at halftime. But we didn't know what happened. He never came back. And it wasn't really addressed after the game. I went to the NYC locker room, obviously, because I wanted to, to speak yeah. to my fellow Scott, birthday boy. That will be coming up later in the show. But uh, will you disclose the gift you got him? Or quite, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's revealed in the interview. I hope it was a hug. It it was round and made of chocolate. That's all I'll say. But yeah, I mean those two goals. Adnan, he 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 let Heber go for for the first goal. And then just lost Gary Mackay Stephen all together in the the second one. But the first one, Hebert was just in acres of room, and Ali's just standing there watching him. And then he runs by him, and he's like, oh, "I should play play run after him a little bit now." 
awful, awful defending. Yeah. No, I mean... Not DP quality defending? Yeah. Yeah. Saturday's game was... Yeah, those those goals were difficult to watch. Yeah. And you you could... Yeah, you could feel it. Before we get to NYC, there's another another big elephant in the room. Oh, no, Steve's not here. The, The flight home from Montreal was a talking point yet again. More travel issues. It's been a big talking point all season long for the players with the upcoming CBA negotiations. The Whitecaps had a, a cancelled flight, just in case you didn't hadn't heard that. It was another to add to the long list of gripes players have had throughout the league about travel this year, compounded by the fact that NYCFC yeah. flew into Vancouver on Wednesday as Jake Norwinski lovely put it on Friday, he should have got the, those players to water his plants since they were here a whole week before him. And it's frank, frankly ridiculous that you've got an opposing team able to come in a city before the home team who's flying from the other side of the, oh, the continent. Uh, okay, but to be fair, they didn't have a game on Wednesday. No. So they they would have been here before Vancouver no, I mean, it's just, it's over. Yeah, it's just overall ridiculous scheduling. It's We've talked about it before. To go from San Jose to Montreal back to Vancouver... Absolutely ridiculous. And I really hope the players hold the league's feet over the fire to this. Yeah, no, it was it was a definitely n- another nice moment for the for the players to use, you know, social media to uh, further their yeah. perspective. And Which is it's interesting because they're very more vocal this year. Oh, And yeah. obviously social media from five years ago to now has, has changed as well. Not when drastically, but yeah. But now, everyone's now like, they all the have the foreign players are yeah, supporting yeah. stuff as well, which is great to see because that was kind of one of the murmurs the last time that they'd kind of let negotiations down a bit because they didn't care about the the union side of things. Yeah. But now they all have that I am a MLSPA yeah. logo thing as their profile, and we are going to get hopefully out a chat with Bob Foot before the end of the year, the MLSPA president. Bob, just to is it talk Bob Foot? Oh, Foot's Foot. But e- even the coaches are getting involved talking about the travel, including both the head coaches after yesterday's match. And I got a chance to, to speak to to Dome, as he just gets called by the NYCFC guys. And Mark DeSantis was asked a little question about it as well. So let's just hear what they had to say. I know you don't want to use an excuse, but three games in eight days, was that a factor tonight out there? Yeah, no, I don't want to use that as an excuse, even if it's um, impressive, the amount of travel and... Uh, I don't want to say, ooh, but there's a member of the New York team that even felt the travel. And he was speaking with me and he he told me, it's tough. And me in my head, but you guys didn't play Wednesday. They were in a hotel probably watching in a hotel here, watching our game against Montreal. Right. So, of course, there's a factor. It's impossible for for this type of traveling and not have a little bit of factor. But I didn't we didn't feel in the game that it was fatigue because we were still pushing, still trying to create. It was major moments that gave them goals. And I felt we could have done much better in the moment in the in the goals that we conceded. There's been a lot of talk in the league this year about travel. You guys obviously came here a little couple of days early. How much did that help you prepare for a game like this? That is MLS. I'm so sorry. Uh, I don't understand anything about that, but I have to accept that. Uh, I, I know it's not easy for no for 
for Vancouver. Sometimes it's Vancouver, sometimes it's New York, sometimes it's LA. Uh, we have to improve about that because we can improve. It's not easy to play in San Jose, San Jose, Montreal, cancel the, the fly was cancelled, travel again here. It's, it's almost impossible for the performance. I say many times, I, 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 it's not, uh, I, I didn't complain when we lost the game and no, we, we have to improve, we need to improve, we can improve about that. It's not easy, the regular fly, uh, long trip, six hours, forget about it, it's not the same, Vancouver is not the same, New York when, when that happened is not the same, Red Bull is not the same, Milan is not the same. We have to improve uh, because the MLS is, is getting better for sure. Yeah. But just is about that, the special and the, and the long trips. It's not easy for the Vancouver to tonight to play uh, 90 minutes here with uh, uh, with this intensity. It's not easy, but not for Vancouver, for every single team. Dominic Torrent there and Marta Santos just talking a little bit uh, about the travel. MDS after the game though said that fatigue wasn't a factor in Saturday's loss to, to New York. They Let's be honest, NYC simply looked better all round and it yeah. didn't take long for them to get off the mark. It's like 10 minutes in, by the 26th minute mark, it's two down and you you felt it was game over. Kind of felt it was game over when it went to, to 1-0. And the thing is, I know I, they have spent money, they've got some some players, biggish name players, but for the, the average fan, if you looked at that NYC FC roster yesterday, I... Doubt how many players on that roster people would actually know who they are, and then you see the difference in class between them and the Whitecaps. Yeah, and it, yeah, you don't have to look far to, to see teams that have yeah. different difference makers, especially it, it in this league. Doesn't have to be big name players; yeah. it's just players that can perform. And I didn't do it, but it, I mean, I would I'd probably want to double check what a couple of them are making. Like their number ten, I think, is making uh, some pretty pretty good money. The kind of money you need to pay a difference maker, I think. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't have to. It, it doesn't have to. Of course, they started things out by going with that route. That you know, they had uh, yeah. David Villa, they had Pirlo. Well, they yeah, when you Lampard. consider what they had, just the yeah. last time they visited, when I was looking at photos for the preview, yeah, I always look the to see game. if I can get players that are still with the club, which was a tall order yeah. for for this game. I've got to say, especially in the Whitecaps side. As it's been all season, but even with NYCFC, I think there's only five players that were there two years ago, so they've had a big turnaround. But I mean, the good thing about yesterday was even at two down, with everything that had happened, the Whitecaps' heads didn't go down. They kind of they fought a bit, and there was a, a lot of spirit on the pitch and off the pitch, which kind of came to light with the the big. Fine lines, magical moment of the match, or TSN magical moment, whatever you want to call it. Yes, it was another penalty. No, it was, an, that wasn't a penalty. Another VAR decision. Yeah, that wasn't a penalty. Well, it, initially. Oh, it was the, oh yeah. Okay. Initially, it, it was a penalty. Now, I was going to ask you, did you think it was a penalty? No. I wasn't sure, and I went home and I watched it, and then when you watch it, yeah, it's clearly... It wasn't a penalty. Didn't you tweet out like a picture from? Tom yeah, from which a lot of folks said the angle doesn't show it because it, Tom's picture looked like Johnson had actually got a foot to it, and, it's, go- and had, it's going away from yeah, the, from Toss. Yeah, yeah. Which if he had, it would actually have been a corner. But it, it does look like basically 
toss just went over him and there was no real contact. He kind of dragged his foot. Oh, he definitely dragged the one foot. So I, I think it was a fair call. I, th- I, I think that I think he's given. A, I think the, a penalty is upheld if he was like rounding the keeper to put it in the net, you know, but not not at the, not at the touchline. Yeah, I I was talking to Dazzo at halftime, and he said, "What do you think?" And I was like, ah, "I don't think it was a penalty." He's like, "Do you want to go in the locker room and tell them that just now?" It's like, "No, you're okay," because last Saturday we were in Victoria. We saw. Or Langford, if you want to be exact. We saw two assistant coaches get sent off. Yes. One from each team. Goalkeeping coach and an assistant coach sent off. Both, though, for the Whitecaps. That was just for expressing their yes. concerns. Was it a, the, you, Youssef lost, lost it. Yes. And, and then he was pumping up the crowd as he went out, right? He was. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it was shown in TSN, but Vanni Sartini got sent off because he kicked the bench. He kicked one of the chairs. After Youssef got sent off, he turned around and just... Really give it out. So they get so my one question. I didn't see. Did they actually get shown the red card like they're supposed no, to now? No, they were just like pointed and told. Just I thought to they're go. supposed. Oh no, the new rules haven't affected MLS yet. Yeah, right. Okay. So yeah, they were just told to go, and I'm pretty sure there's a fine coming for that. Oh yeah. It may also be a fine coming for the fact that they showed it on the big screen, the incident before right, inciting the before crowd, yeah. VAR review, and I think after VAR review as well which incited Youssef. That's what set him off. And I'm, I don't know, there might be a fine for that. It's not the first time that's happened this season. I'm okay with it. I, I like a bit of crowd incitement. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is not a part of the world where showing that on the screen is going to cause violence in the stadium. So I think it's... Sadly. I, I think... <laughs> oh, well, maybe we'll get to that in... Uh, in uh, headlines, headlines yeah. later. Um, but, I think we might. Yeah, but... Um, so I think they should be. I think in, in in MLS, I think they should be shown on the on the big screen. Uh, you, it, I don't think it does MLS, the league, the officials, uh, the VAR officials, any favors by not showing it on the big screen. Uh, and their choice to fine uh, clubs who do to that just uh, shows how both petty they are and how much they value controlling absolutely everything they can. Yeah, I mean, I. At the time, everyone in the stadium probably thought that the Whitecats had been screwed over again. MDS didn't want to talk about it after the game at all because, as he said, he's got three kids and he'd like to take them to Disney one day. So <laughs> doesn't want to waste his money on any more fines. Or Hawaii. Or Well, yeah. Not with the team, though. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. You don't go to Hawaii for football. You no. Go, you go for... Who on earth would pick Hawaii to go for football purposes? Especially a stadium that's 45 minutes away from the centre of Hawaii. But... It could have been a decision that loomed large when Reina pulled one back, which was a fantastic strike. Yeah, nice. And the Whitecats had other chances, that's the thing. One went kind of through Toss's legs, cheery nose again, didn't have a good one. It, but the Reina one that came again with Ricketts and Reina sort of linking up together, another reason I'd like to see these two get a bit of a run for, for the, the end of the season. Reina's in great form just now, penalties aside. Keep him away from the, the penalty spot and, and he's going to be fine. Seven goals now, he's leading the team. Three goals in the last four games. I, I'd said at the start when we were talking about keeping these guys together, who knows who's going to be here next year. Do you see Reyna as being a guy that's here next year? Is he maybe going to be one of the the attackers that they kind of build the rest of the attack round? I mean, a couple, a couple of things. One, we have stated multiple times that we're surprised he's here this year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But I would say, like, 
talking to MDS about it, he said his attitude and his work ethic has been exemplary this oh, year, and yeah. he is he's an example to oh. the rest of the team. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not questioning that in any way, shape, or form. Um, but then there's also those awkward comments from MDS a couple of games ago, where it was kind of like almost wishing him well for next year, yeah. making it sound like that would not be here, um, which a lot of people have... Well, he's got uh, his call-up to Peru again, so I guess if he's still getting call-ups whilst playing here, he might be happy with that. If he wasn't getting call-ups, I think that might be something that may make him want to move on. But also, if you're Jordy Reyna, I think you're probably looking at it things, even just looking at the league and saying... Yeah, well, he wants to be in a bigger club he's already well, in an interview said it's not a big yeah, club because apparently yeah apparently he said stuff in the peruvian press yeah. about not maybe not being here or wanting to be elsewhere potentially uh, i don't speak spanish but that's some of the, some of the reports i've read about that but si, senor. yeah but he but you got to think he's also okay if he is going to stay in vancouver you also have to think that he looks around at the league he looks around the team uh i'm sure he has some grasp of the salary uh budget and uh, the mechanisms within the league that he pro- he like most people who, who follow the who call follow Vancouver look at it and say there needs to be someone else like and imagine how much better he would be when he has someone to play with oh, and yeah. you only have to look at last year we only have to look at how he is with Ricketts as well yeah but even better more so last year when he had Kai Kamara yeah and when he had Alfonso Davies other players who both in playing <sighs> Those style were the golden years yeah. <laughs> Both their playing style, the, the, the different things they brought in terms of Kai being a big target man, Alfonso being a pacey winger uh, who in this league could also um, be dynamic in terms of taking on players. He scored uh, this weekend. He did. We'll, maybe we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> oh, we, we need to. <laughs> uh, but you, you look at how he did in that scenario, and now you look at uh, the, the, the drop-off, for example, of his assist yeah. specifically. Uh, it's not that he hasn't created anything. No, this just, is the most goals he's got in a season. Most but goals. Yeah, his assists have yeah. certainly dropped off. So, yeah, but if you're him and you say, I want to stay in Vancouver, you got to think that he's thinking, but I also, I, I want to have better players to play with. Yeah. But it was another loss. Overall, it was a pretty disappointing and at times flat performance. And I, I just want to play uh, one little bit from, from MDS after the game yesterday with just some of his thoughts on it. We never looked... Um, like a team that arrived, we arrived uh, after NYCFC, um, so the travel was was difficult for us. But I didn't. The, the 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 loss is not related to fatigue at all because we started the first ten minutes well. Uh, there's good tempo in our game. There's good dynamics. Unfortunately, what I told the players is that that are they're, they're key. It's 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 a story a little bit of the season where there's key moments uh, that just cut our legs. We're under first ten minutes good, then we lose a ball, a transition against us one zero, and now we chase out of nothing uh, two zero, and then comes uh, the call that it's. It's his call. At halftime, we just said in in the locker room that if we go into the second half, it's because there's a belief that we could at least tie the game. And I think that the mentality, the approach, our guys went at it, tried, created, scored. Um, and then another, I think, uh, 
let me talk bad about Max today in the third goal because I have Max here, Max here, and Max knows what I'm going to say is to, he knows that how much I, I appreciate him and how much he's given to the team. But um, in that third goal, uh, we felt that there was a, a man lacking in the wall uh, and, and the ball went through a goal that we can concede in a moment that there's a lot of belief in the team and then we, um, we concede that third one and it becomes difficult. That's in general what I thought about the game. MDS there with a, some thoughts on the game. And if you haven't watched his post-game presser yesterday, I would, especially for the start, where he really does not want to, to just launch into the referees again. But yeah, well worth a watch on the Whitecaps site. But the season is over before September had even begun. I know it was basically over in June, but let's, for the sake June. of it, it felt like that. I thought, I thought you were going to say way earlier. Oh, <laughs> no, we still were hanging on by our fingernails. No one will say it, but it does feel like this kind of a, a vibe where there's a lot of people involved with the club that just want this season to be over. And I think MDS as well probably just wants the season to end just so that he can get the rebuild started. Well, I'm I, I'm sure there's some people in the the front office who are n- not excited about the fact that the season's over. There's no po- possibility of, of playoffs. There's no no possibility of any type of trophy this year. There's four games left. Three of them are at home against yeah. teams that will not draw in and of themselves. You yes. have RSL, Columbus, and Houston. I had to even look to see who our last game of the yeah. season was. That's how there, I'm like. There might be a bigger draw LA away yeah. <laughs> than, those, than those games. I mean, we usually do our good, the bad, and the ugly, which we haven't done for a while because it's mainly it's, just it's all been ugly, ugly, yeah. ugly. But there is some good. There's only four games left. <laughs> and the even better, I'm going to be away for one of them because <laughs> I've booked a trip to the Maritimes. I'm going to see two Halifax Wanderers games. Much better football. And a Cape Breton Capers game. So I'm really looking forward to that. Well, But are you missing the sixth? I forget. Uh, no, I'll be back for the, the okay. very the very last game. I'm missing the Columbus game. Right. But, so not much. Yeah, so I, I recommend people would like, just go go see some CPL, especially October when the season's over. Get oh, into yeah. some CPL. Pacific, some good stuff there. Lovely stadium. Cavalry's playing nice football if you're in that area. I was surprised how much there was to do in and around Calgary. We went, we went to Calgary Zoo. I, I took Caitlin up the Panda Passage. She loved that. That was great fun. Or if you want, if you want to do a double header, or you just don't want to go to the Whitecaps game on the fourteenth against uh, Houston, it's a seven p.m. kickoff. Pacific's playing at like twelve thirty that day. You could do both, or you or could just you, go just go UBC to BC Thunderbirds are playing at seven as well. But it's the big celebrities match that day as well. The celebrities against the Whitecaps alumni. I don't know if you've seen the roster for the celebrities. It is a veritable who's that. <laughs> of the of the local Z list celebrity scene, I know I'm a little bit out of touch with popular culture, but I'm like it's not like previous what? years. Year one, Robert Carlyle and Ray Winston. <laughs> this year, some shows I had to Google to see what they even were, and people that are just bit part actors in those shows. No offense to the ones that listen to this, because I know <laughs> not like Chris Gautier probably listens to this and. Stuff like that. They're local guys and they've played in all these things and no criticism of them. But the Whitecaps are trying to market this as a big thing. 
you need some star power in there, and it's severely lacking this year. Much like like, the team itself. There you go. Yes. Anyway, that was too easy. Um, (laughs) What now, though? There is these four games left, and we will look at exactly what is going to happen after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. It's over, oh, it's over, oh, it's over, oh. It is over. The Whitecaps playoff hopes. That was our new Artists of the Month for September. I saved them so that it was a five-song month. Especially done. That is Scotland's finest, Biffy Clyro. That's a song called 57 from their debut album Black in Sky from 2002. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. So yeah, it is over now, as Biffy was singing there. So what now? As I mentioned, there's four games left, three of them at home. Houston, Columbus, LA Galaxy, RSL. Right now, the Caps are still one point off the points total set by the expansion side of 2011. With the same number of wins, six... We've scored five less goals in that 2011 side and we've conceded two less, but you have to feel that's going to go over the next four games. So we're probably going to have let in more goals in the 2011 team. Do we beat the points total? Do we beat the wins? Do we get more goals in that 2011 side over these four games? Well, it's easy. The 2011 side is a far more lovable and likable side for all their... uh Lack of results they <laughs> they got. <laughs> You're hilarious. Just had some <clears throat> visitors walking by. <laughs> so, uh, no, they. Yeah, I mean, I I would be okay if this side uh, uh, did not achieve the 28 points that that side did, and that side was no longer the worst in the MLS era. <clears throat> Nothing against this side, uh, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the 2011 team it had so many. So many characters, so many wonderful people, uh, both on and off the pitch, to connect with uh, that invested in building the club and in building relationships with the f- the fans, with the supporters. Uh, just so many fond memories with with that with that group of people. 
Um, again, the results were not <laughs> were not great, but I don't know. What are, what are you hoping for, Michael? Just to, to end? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you. <laughs> well, I mean that that's the thing. I think we'll beat the points total. Yeah, it's it's hard to see I, them I not. I think we probably will beat the goals, and I think we will get one win in these four games, and I think it could be against Houston, who just seem to be imploding just now. But I don't know. We'll see. The other big question, and what kind of what you want to see, is just what does MDS do with the team for these last four games? Does he take a look at? developing some partnerships does he have a look at some individual players that he might want to see will we ever see Jasser Kamiri take the pitch this year supposedly he's is he in training with the first team now or he's supposed to be or yeah about? he's been training no no but I mean like actual first team training I, well I don't know because I was working all week so I didn't get to training <clears throat> I think but. I think MDS said in the in in you know playing his role in president since week as you would expect um I think in that uh public speaking he he shared that they were anticipating mm. him joining full team, first team training, like within a week or so. And to, it's been a week or so have since to that hope happened. That we're going to at least get a look at him. And the other thing is, do you, do you give some of the young players a, a run out as well? Before we get into all that and say exactly what we'd like to see, MDS was asked by Judy Adams about that yesterday, and interesting stuff that he said. I'm curious to see what what you think about what he said here. Now that playoffs are officially out of the picture, mm -hmm. what is going to be the approach or philosophy over the last four games? It's going to be to try to play them to win. So it's not going to be, a, if you're asking the question, thinking if we're going to give chance to academy players and young players and that, um, it's too important for us uh, for every game to to try to come in and play to win. So, again, it's going to be the same process until the end. Uh, if there's academy players that deserve to play, they're going to play. If they don't, they won't. We'll be fair with everybody, but we'll try to have the best team possible out there to try to win the most of the four games. As you go down the stretch, how much of a problem is motivation going to be for the players with playoffs out of sight and yeah. no possibility of a, a relegation in this league? So there's not that extra emphasis. How do you as a coach It's new your for me. It's new for me. I don't know. I don't know. I'll think about it in the next three, four days. I don't know. It's new. It's new for me. It's a situation that is new not to be in a playoff or not to be fighting for something in, uh, in September. It's new. So... I don't know what to answer you. I just want to be as honest as I can. Um, they've been, uh, I don't think that until now, until now, today you didn't see guys that give up in the game. So you never saw that. Uh, what's going to look the next four games? I don't know. I have to have a feeling with the guys and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure, me, I want to play the four games to win them. I want to play the four games to win. We have three of the four are home. Uh, we have to, to give back to the people that are going to come to the stadium. So if they follow what's in my heart, they're going to go all the way, being competitive and giving their best every game. So what, what do you make of that then, Zach? It's, he, he doesn't know. He knows what he'd like to do. He doesn't know if that's what's going to happen. He wants to clearly put out full-strength teams in these four games. Will he get to, will he get a little bit of pressure off, look, you need to 
give the season ticket holders a little bit of an incentive to renew and stuff and play some young guy, show some hope. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, I mean, uh, he says there multiple times that this is new for him. He's never had to experience something like this before. Uh, which is just him, I think, just pointing to his credentials as a coach and his experiences. Yeah, that was very much that. Of like, yeah. hey, I've been a winner everywhere. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is to to experience losing in this way. Um, and to be, like, which he's is honest, fair. It's no, like yeah, he's it's true. Hundred percent accurate totally because true. he has won everywhere. He's been with teams even at USL level that were in the playoffs and competing for championships. So this is a a whole new experience, and it's clearly a testing one for him. And it's how. He reacts as a coach to it as well. And the, the response in terms of what are you going to do with well, the mentality is we want to win every game. Okay, in one sense, yes, that is that is valid because even when all hope is lost for the season, you still want to have or develop or you know try and live out the ideal of we want to win everything. Um, and so I, I understand that. I respect that. However... That there are some players that need to play, that barring injury need to play. David David Norman needs yeah, to play. He, he's at the top of my list as well. We like, have to see what yeah. he can do at, at this level, and this is an ideal time to do yeah. it when you've got John Arisi getting pulled off at half time. Yeah, you've got Russell Tybert, who I don't think I saw this anywhere on, on social media today, but I wasn't on it tons. He left the stadium yesterday with a, a bandage round one foot and a flip-flop on the other. I mean, know what happened the last time he wore oh, flip-flops. I hope he wasn't but taking a bike home. I hope he hope he wasn't, but he, he didn't look in a, in a good state. Jake Nerwinski left in a walking boot and on a crutch. So that could open up the possibility for Georges uh, Mukalumba. Yeah, that would be... That, that would, like, that would... He, he's, he's not ready... MDS basically indicated when he signed for first team football right, right now. Okay, but but, but what get, the hell? But the, he need like this is the kind of thing where if he doesn't start, for example, he like I think George needs to get yeah have Sutter play seventy yeah, minutes. Bring George exactly in for 20, that that like, like that. needs to happen. I mean, one of the prime examples, or you and I were talking while he, while M, the MDS clip was on. It was it was I don't even know how to describe it. it to me, it was unacceptable. That that in 2011, I'll give you an example from 2011. We were just talking about that that, that team, lovable characters, a bunch of some kids we saw come from residency like Russell. That Phil Davies, when the season was over, I think it might have only been only over for the last game. Like the only the last game was was meaningless for them. Actually, no, it wasn't that. It was no, it there was more than oh, the no, last that, game. That, yeah, that sorry. season was over. But going into the last game, that that kid was not put in the 18 yep. and able to make an MLS appearance. Yep. That should not have happened. Now, I know as a coach, you have principles and people need to perform in training and all that kind of stuff. Well, but like MDS has talked a lot about entitlement and he's not wanting to play players just because yeah. they're Canadian, just because they're residency products. Well, in my example, I don't think to earn it. And I, I agree with him totally. with that. And, and so and so that's why I respect his comments in one sense because he's setting it up not for anyone to feel like yep. oh I got a chance or it's David Norman Junior is the opposite of all those things oh totally he is so committed he's so hard working he went on loan with Queen of the South he did well there at a good level of Scottish football he could have stayed they wanted to yeah. keep him and after he left their season went downhill a bit and they were in a relegation battle and it's not just his it's not just his desire it's not just his work rate it's not just his effort. 
He David Norman Jr. has talent. He has. <laughs> and but he has he's got a great attitude all round. Totally. On and off the pitch. He's what he's like a model of what a young footballer should do yeah. and how you live your life on and off the pitch. I'm sorry, I still get frustrated about about Phil Davies. I think that was the first time I ever yeah. was involved. I, I totally expect him to be on the bench in that oh, game. Oh yeah. It, it, that was the that was like the the precursor to like Curva Collective Tifo when when that we made a uh, made a Phil Davies or uh, Big Phil must play banner that that Phil that Phil asked if he could have it for the game so he took it home and he has it somewhere um, but yeah no I mean, well the other guys are like Simon Coline and uh, Michael it, Baldissimo and I, I don't think we'll see Simon Coline. Well, it feels like those comments are maybe directed at a Simon Colan. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Michael Baldissimo, though, is a hard-working guy as well. The problem is him and David Norman play Similar, the same position. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be averse to seeing one get two games, the other get two games. I wouldn't be adverse to the last game being, like the last game, it being a runner of all the all those young guys. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's I, not going to happen. i tell but. you why it's not going to happen. You have to look back to that season. We didn't make the playoffs, but we beat Portland in the last game. I know that won the Cascadia Cup, but the fans went home happy, and that's what it's about. You send them home happy in the last game of the season, that's what sticks in the head of so many of the fan base. Yeah, I know. This This is a different year, Michael. I, I don't think. I, oh, yeah. Even if is, they if they blow out RSL 4-0 in the last game of the season? Yes. this is a, One, I, don't, I really don't think that's going to happen. Well, and you'll play back this clip if it does. But well, well no, because RSL is really fighting, and I think it's going to go down to the wire totally. for these player spots for every single team and positioning. And it's even more important this year, which is something that the yes. NYC head coach talked about after the game. It's like, Dumb. We, if we don't finish first, we want to finish second because we have to get this home advantage. Yeah, And that's what all these teams are going to be wanting. Now, Houston... They've got very little to play for. It looks like they're done. They, but I, I, Columbus, I, I, it looks like they're done as well. The Houston game, I, it would be fun to see if the Houston game is like, uh, if Vancouver's leading near the end, hard to think of, but if they're leading or the game is close, maybe tied near the end, if Houston just puts on like all of their attacking threats. So you have like five, six, oh. just like pure attackers on the pitch. Well, and that's just... actually a thing with us yesterday. We finished the game with five technically forwards strikers on the pitch and yeah but they're not of the Houston attacking no, quality no but me and Manu Veth yeah we're, we're talking about it and Manu and me Manu's drawing up 4 2 he said no it's like if you play all these guys that's on the pitch just now in what their proper position should oh, be or right. where they should be playing it came up with a kind of question mark Shape. formation it was hilarious oh the question mark we had two defenders by the time the game finished Sutter and Henry. Right. Because Rose shouldn't have been yeah. playing centre back and we don't class Ali Adnan as a as a left back. Right. So yeah. It was no surprise really that we've shipped all those goals when you when you look at something like that. But we did finish with five forwards. So yeah, it would be fun if Houston did that. Make it entertaining. Twenty eight year old Ali Adnan can play anywhere on the left side. Although Mauro Manotis looks like he's gonna get transferred to Europe. That's one of the rumours that's doing the rounds just now. Yeah. Mm. So he might not be here. But Anything else you'd, you'd want to see just before we move on to yeah. the last bit of this part? Okay, well, th- this is not so much for for uh, 2019. Uh, like you've said many times today, it's dead. Uh, but looking forward to 2020, uh, one of the things that I'm uh, excited about in terms of the supporter culture in, in Vancouver is uh, for the first time ever, 
after you know a decade of trying to make it happen, <laughs> make it happen, that, that finally there will be a a, a a general admission supporter section. And so, as depressing as the the on field results have been, and a number of the off field uh, things that have happened uh, this season, uh, it, it, if you want to be a part of uh, the supporter culture in Vancouver, if you want to be a part of GA next year, please do get in touch with uh, the Vancouver Southsiders or Curva Collective, um, because there's an opportunity for you to be a part of that. If you have season tickets already. That's great. They can be moved there. If you don't have season tickets, you can. Those groups can help get you tickets in that section, and in some sense, it feels a little bit too little, too late uh, for this. But uh, the people who've wanted this to happen for so long are doing a lot of work to try and make this uh, the the kind of the the rebirth of supporter culture in 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 Vancouver or for the Whitecaps, anyways. Uh, to kind of move things, move things forward. And it has the potential to be a really, uh, a really great time. Uh, and to, to really just help. Like if you've been to, if you've been to Cascadia way, which I know you have, Michael, even if you are usually overlooking it from a, from a, yeah, from the I've press been box. In with the, with the supporters <clears throat> though as well. Right. So it's, it has opportunity to be special. Like Cascadia way has been for, for most of the last, you know, 10 or 12 years or whatever, uh, where everyone's together, uh, not worrying about whose seat is who, but just focusing on the supporting uh, side of things. So, anyways, if you if you want to be a part of that, please get in touch with those people, and they will uh, give you information uh, and uh, help get you connected into that GA for next year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it works. I've I've got some concerns about how it's going to work. I think it could lead to some issues, especially when people that don't have the. I mean, if you've got. A GA ticket, are you going to get an arm, a wristband or something? Because my, my concern is you're going to have a lot of tourists, see drunken groups in of Irish rugby players, as an example, just going, oh, there we go, that's general admission, let's just get into that section. And then you could end up with too many people in that section. Right. Uh, you know, anything you do, uh, especially when it's new and it kind of changes what the old was, uh, you're going to have issues. You're going to have things you're going to have to troubleshoot. And so, uh, and all those, those kind of logistical things in terms of wristband, no wristband, whatever, Michael, that's all being worked out, uh, right now. Uh, and in the off season, uh, they're kind of fine tune that, uh, to, to see what, what is perceived to will perceived to, to, to be the most effective. Mm. And then, and then, yeah, as issues arrive, they'll troubleshoot. I mean, I, I there are for as, for all the issues <laughs> that people could complain about BC Play staff, um, there are a number of people who are on BC Play staff who, uh, for example, in, with Curva Collective in 203, 204, who we've worked with for years. And when there's a problem, all we do is just talk to them. And they, they've been pretty good to sort out, especially those who've been there for a long time. Um, so like our, uh, we always call them by the color of their jacket, our blue jackets who are the, like the usher people at the top of the aisles who come down when there's problems, those people we know really, really well. And so whenever there's a problem, we just That's talk about it. you we, cause so much trouble. We just talk about, no, <laughs> we just talk about it and, it, and, and usually it leads to a, a resolution, uh, you know, quickly, but you're right. There's going to be issues, but that's not a reason not to do something. No, very much not. Just want to wrap this section up with a, a little quick talk. Oh, it's quick. It'll be quick. It'll be quick. We didn't have time last week to, to cover this. We might not have time this week to cover it, but we're going we're gonna to cover it anyway. This part may go long. It was President's Week on TSN two weeks ago. It's their we annual thing ago, that they do. Yeah, we can have. They, they do it every year. I think it's the third year or the fifth year. Seventh like, year, I think. Seventh? I thought they said seventh, but... 
It's a number. Yeah, a number of years. It's a number. And the White Cats, of course, no longer have a president. <laughs> may, he, may he rest in peace. So Jeff Mallett, one of the co-owners, uh, was on for two segments of the show, and then MDS was on for, I think, five or six segments of the, sh- the show, about an hour and a quarter anyway. Yeah. And they, they discussed a, a number of things. And we want to chat a little bit about some of them. Now, Jeff Mallett, he outlined what the sporting director is going to do. And this this week, the White Cats made the announcement that they, they've hired this company that's been successful in getting sporting directors all around the world to, to do the search. Jeff Mallett highlighted seven main duties that he's looking for the, for the sporting director to have. The MLS first team, the development team, the academy, the academy centres, global recruitment, sports science, football operations. So Basically everything. Yeah, everything. Everything. Yeah. That, so it's a that, pretty pretty big list. It's a That's a lot for one guy to take on. And you, you look at it broken down like that and you're like is that wise for one person to be really overseeing all that well do you think they should want to pay maybe, more than one person well should you maybe not have a, a committee like a footballing <laughs> committee or something that could oversee all these yeah that, that could work if they had like football people oh yeah that's that's yeah that would be important. that'd be like a prerequisite he did say football or sporting director qualities that he's looking for just their general philosophy their approach to the game their work history. So he's wanting somebody that's got a history in the game, that's done this before at a high level, and somebody that's good with a balance sheet. Of course, it's Vancouver, of players going in and, and coming out. What, what do you think of what they're looking for? It sounds great on paper. Lots of things that look good on paper turn out not to be so good in real life. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen this with organizations in the past where you you have several needs and so you put them in this omnibus position, right? Because um, it does feel like, um, it does feel like potentially all these things could be done by by one person, but it does also feel drastically drastically large. Uh, I, I mean, the the, the big thing, another uh, big thing, the interesting thing for me was uh, part of the part of the the, the conversation coming out of. Uh, Bobby's reshuffling um, was uh, one of the one of the talking points that day was how they they were making this move because people are blaming Bobby for things that are not his responsibility, and yet I think j- and yet no one asked to follow up who is responsible. Exactly, then. that was a, a huge missed opportunity. No offense to those who did ask questions that day, uh, because the, the, I mean that's part of part of their modus operandi. It's just blame others and keep the keep themselves safe and looking good um so so but jeff mallet in this presence week if i'm and feel free to tweet at us or email us if i got this wrong or i misheard but basically I, what i think jeff, what i heard jeff mallet say was <clears throat> we we knew we couldn't just tweak things we had to make like a significant change so again if it's not bobby's fault and you have but you still but you have to make a big change then again whose fault is it and so just those things kind of didn't really fit together for me with all these people or sorry, a couple of people who've been saying, uh, oh, yeah, you know, Bobby gets blamed for things that aren't his responsibility. Then you as the organization have to clarify that and say who is responsible for what. And again, the big problem in all in this is the the lack of transparency in terms of who does what. And that is all apparently to cover for uh 
Greg Kerfoot, who all who again uh, on, on on the the President's Week call-in show, it was like they got someone to call in. I don't know if you listen to this part, Michael, but they they got yes. it's like they got one of Greg Kerfoot's friend to call in and talk about what a great guy he is. Yes. Which no one's questioning if the, if he's a great guy or if he can play hockey or coach hockey well. No one no one's questioning that. No one's questioning the fact that he saved professional football in Vancouver. No one is questioning that at all. What people are questioning is the fact that he and Bobby Leonard Uzi, because of their relationship and their closeness, they are linked. Whether people want that, they, whether that's right or wrong, they are linked. They are like inseparable in one sense. People are questioning, not questioning them saving professional football in Vancouver when they did, but now they are questioning, are they running it into the ground? Because that's what they've been doing in the MLS era. That's what their actions have led to. That's what their approach has led to. And so that's why that's why people that's why people are are frustrated with the, with these individuals and why people want to know who is responsible. But my understanding is that Greg Kerfoot is the invisible hand who is very involved but does not want to be public. And I think there's very specific reasons he does not want to be public that we won't get into now because we don't want to uh, we don't want to make uh, we don't want to speculate. Let's put it like that, right? Um, uh, but I, I think that. I don't. Th- I don't see the football club progressing in the way people long for it to with this leadership, and and th- and and that's that's a that's a significant problem. I, and I could be wrong. They could bring in a technical director who they actually allow to to do the job and to have control and change things. But it's it's based on how what they've done before. Paul Barber yeah. is a prime example. I don't see that happening. I I genuinely do wonder, like. MDS has talked that he's he's looking forward to this. He's wanting this. Mark's a very headstrong person. He's got his own ideas. It's not beyond the realms of possibility to find these two positions clashing at some point next year. Oh, yeah. If it's not the the right person that's brought in, and I don't know. The the other thing that Jeff Mallet mentioned that we'll we'll go over just now is he mentioned the Whitecaps are not making money. And he said that's due to multi-million dollar investment into academies, the girls' programs, subsidizing camps, the lack of an owned and operated venue of their own, which he then was pushing that, would they look at getting a a, a new stadium? He said there's no short-term plans, but he he wouldn't rule it out. He said it's a maybe. Um, He said they need to fill the lower bowl and get more sponsorship to bring money into the club. Yeah, again... you do that... By having a winning team in the pitch, yeah. When in, you, in and, some and you and you do that by paying difference makers. But again, with 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 the owner thing, uh, or sorry, with the uh, the revenue thing, uh, so, yeah. He the way he answered the question made it made it so that he um, he did reference that there is because someone had a follow up question in terms of the sum money, although they didn't call it the sum money. Yeah, and, and basically. Yeah, he, they, he, they, said, they he said he said operationally the they're operationally they're losing money, but he didn't he didn't clarify how you know how much they're making or he made it sound like the sum money doesn't cover their operational losses, which is that's not possible. And well, you, you don't know exactly. Uh, sorry, what their sorry, you know, losses uh, sorry. Are. Let me clarify that. That's not possible when you sit down and do the math of what they should be making uh, and what what they possibly should be or could be losing. It, it doesn't add up. Either they are. Uh, really irresponsible with with their budgeting or their spending, uh, or their or the you know the numbers that uh, have been um, reported is not the right word. But the numbers that have been bandied about by those 
in the know a little, at least a little bit, uh, are, are, are way off base. But th- those are based on what MLS is making on these expansion fees and on what they are making on some of the contracts they have from sponsors that impact the whole league. Anyways, they, they cannot be losing money uh, over overall in this it, 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 with the amount of money that they're likely making from some. Yeah. But I mean, operationally, yeah, they're losing money. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's, and we've known that for years. I and mean, there's there's been some things that they've budgeted for this year that I have to watch what I say because of information I was given by certain people. So I don't want to to land people in it. But there's there's things that they had budgeted for that they've had to cut and not do in terms of game day presentation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. They, they wouldn't be, uh, they wouldn't have stayed in it this long. I don't think if they're losing crazy money. No, there's there's no way that there's there's, the the reason they're sticking around is because the league continues to make money. There's the club operational side, and then there's all the expansion. The sum, the sum for the owners and everything. Soccer United marketing. Tell you what would be interesting. We get the players' salaries every year. How about doing the MLS executive salaries as well? Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be great fun to see. Does, does that include liaisons who are above the technical director yeah. who only report to owners? We're happy to declare our salaries here at AFTN. Yeah. Zero. I make a little more than that. But, well, yeah, you're special. But who do you enjoy more, AFTN or the Whitecaps? It's a good time to, to end this part, I think. We are going to be back celebrating a fun time of the Whitecaps. It's 1979 time, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm David Norman, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. You're on a comma if you're feeling blue. You tell me I don't pay attention to you. But if you want to know just what I'm going through, you wouldn't phone those guys who miss me with you. Oh, when I call you, I can stack for blast. You whip them out before. I got your number, and it's written on the back of my hand as well, mainly because I lost my phone. That was the Jags from 1979 with Back of My Hand. Talking of Jags, just before we get into our 1979 section, the Jags, nicknamed for Partick Thistle FC, huge congratulations to our good friend Dario Zanata, Signed a two-year deal with Partick Thistle this week, leaving Hearts. He just was struggling to get established in the first team mix there. Had gone on loan to Aloha last year, had done really well. Now signed with Partick Thistle for, for two years. Had done a very eventful debut yesterday as well. He didn't score. His team lost 3-2 and they had two players sent off. Dario Zanata, a great example for all Vancouver Academy kids to follow. Yes, i big fan of Dario. We should get him on, on the, the show again in the off-season or our off-season, just to have another little chat with him. But it's time now for our 1979 review. 
here on the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. Broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I, I love the, the part where you talk about the culture stuff. Talk about, tell me about the culture. The, what was happening in culture at the time? Culture in 1979. Yeah, this, uh, in yeah September. my favourite year for music, I think, was 1979. So much so that even once we finished doing our proper Whitecap stuff, I think I might still play a 1979 song of the week every every week because there's some good releases came out later in the year. But there was no change in the top of the UK single charts. Cliff Richard was still number one with We Don't Talk Anymore. But there was a new number one album, Led Zeppelin's End Through the Outdoor. In Canada, there was a new number one single. It's the Nax My Sharona had been number one in the US for a while. Three weeks it spent at number one in Canada. Following on from the US, where it had been number one since August 25th and stayed there until October 6th, Knack were also number one in both the Canadian and the US album charts with their Get the Knack album. No big movie releases this week, but we want to talk about the NASL playoffs because this was the weekend to remember for the Whitecaps in terms of the NASL playoffs. Close to the end, next week, next week's show is the big celebration. September 8th, 1979 was the day of the soccer ball, the day the Whitecaps made history, lifted their biggest trophy in, in the club's history. Next week's show is going to be a, a special tribute just to that. We're not going to be doing any other Whitecap stuff. It's going to be a pre-recorded show where... We're chatting with a lot of the guys from the 1979 Soccer Bowl winning team. We did this when they were over in May for their celebrations, but we wanted to keep it for the special weekend. And since our show falls on the actual day of them winning the trophy, it just seems very apt to do that. But how did they get to that Soccer Bowl, Zach? Uh, They beat the Cosmos. Yes. In two absolutely magnificent games and a mini-game. The way the, the playoffs were set up, the, the lower-ranked team played at home in the first game. Then the higher-ranked team hosted the second game. If one team won both, that was the end of it. There was no like aggregate scores or anything like that. So if one team won each game, it went to a 30-minute mini-game. And that's what happened between the Whitecaps and the Cosmos. The first game was at Empire on Wednesday, August 29th. 32,875 fans packed into Empire. The biggest home crowd of the season. They saw a 2-0 Whitecaps win. The tickets had gone on sale on the Monday, two days before August 27th. Fans queued through the night to get tickets. Can you imagine people doing that here now? If it's not a, an Aritzia sale, I don't think they would do that or some new iPhone that's come out. By mid-morning, the queue was four blocks long. It, it, obviously, we've got the internet now, but... That aside, it kind of beggars belief that there'd be that kind of demand. Or so, w- would there be that demand? So all the scalpers were just there getting their tickets. That was exactly <laughs> what happened, unfortunately. Scalpers had just got into the sports scene kind of that, that year. And the Whitecaps were the big ticket in town. Stuff the Canucks. They were nothing back then. It was all Whitecaps. And they did snap the tickets up. Fans were irate. So the Whitecaps lifted the television blackout that had existed for Whitecaps matches locally that season which is interestingly probably why they got such good crowds that year, because people couldn't see it on TV. <laughs> Much like the CPL, except it hasn't quite worked that way in the CPL. There's no blackout. No, but folk can't see the games unless they buy one soccer, really. Yeah, just like the Bundesliga, just like the Premier League, just like 
La Liga, oh, just our, like Syria. Are CPL drawing 30,000 crowds? No, but there's there, a purple wall, at least now. In, it's a beautiful purple yeah, wall. Beautiful purple wall. But yeah, that folk got to see that game on TV. And what a game it was. Willie Johnston, wee Willie Johnston, opened the scoring in the second half with a diving header of an Allen Ball cross. That gave the Caps the lead. 15 minutes to go, it was 2-0. Allen Ball fed Trevor Weimark, who finished through the keeper's legs, sending Empire ecstatic and sending the Cosmos into a deterioration. They, they lost it. The Whitecaps bench lost it yesterday against NYC. It was the New Yorkers that lost it in, in this game. Their dirty Iranian centre-back, Iskandarian, we talked about him and Willie Johnson getting into a, a couple of episodes ago. He was sent off with eight seconds of the match remaining for a scything tackle that took out one of the, the Whitecaps guys. Then Carlos Alberto, you'll know him, World yep. Cup winner with Brazil, he spat at one of the officials and threw his, his shirt at a linesman and he got a season-long ban. So he was banned for the rest of the season, which pissed the Cosmos off so much that they were going to sue the league about it. Different can, times. Can you imagine a team suing MLS? <laughs> for, for, one for of their, a, one of their players for spitting disco, and for throwing. a disco decision. Yeah. <laughs> no disco back in those days, and they still banned him. So the second leg was three days later at Giant Stadium. What a game that was. It's a match that, it's a whole match day really that many felt is the best of the whole NASL era. 44,109 fans packed into the longest game in NASL history. <laughs> New York, they'd plan to attack early, get a lead, put the game to bed and then just take it easy for the mini game because it didn't matter what the score was. And it looked like their plans had come along well when 10 minutes in, Giorgio Chinalia got the opening goal. Only for Big John Craven to soon derail those plans and head home an Allen Ball free kick. Shinaglia made it 2-1 though, seven minutes before half time. That looked like it was going to be enough, but in the dying minutes, up pop Wee Willie Johnson again with a header, heading home Bobby Leonard, du- Leonard Doozy. Where is he now? His cross to Wee Willie, back of the net. The game suddenly headed to sudden death overtime. No more goals, and it was a shootout. Now the Cosmos and shootouts... Go hand in hand. The Cosmos won, sending it to this deciding minigame. And this is where it got interesting. And can you believe there were some shenanigans in North American soccer? <laughs> the minigame, first half, 50 minutes, goalless. Second half's underway. The Caps thought they'd taken the lead. Carol Valentine rifled a shot in, off the bar, looked like it had crossed the goal line. The referee gave it. White Caps celebrated. But the Cosmos surrounded the referee. Think of them as the Seattle Sounders of the day. <laughs> they did wear green, right? Yeah. They made him speak to the linesman. The linesman was like, well, I can't be 100% sure that it crossed the line. So they chalked the goal off. No more goals, and it went to another shootout. It was tied at 2-2. Because they had five shots each. And if anyone doesn't know how the shootout worked, oh, yeah. they, they had, it was from the 35-yard line. Which I've watched. And if you don't know where the 35-yard th- <laughs> yeah, you know line is, <laughs> it was marked well on some of the pitches that they played on back in the day. But just, just over the halfway line, think of it that way. And they had five seconds to, to start and get the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> but the goalkeepers could come off the line. Now, I thought this was ridiculous. They are actually considering looking at this for the 2026 World Cup. Oh, please no. That is something they looked at a couple of years ago. I don't know if they're still looking at it. 
Now, I thought it was ridiculous. Penalty shootouts, though, they do divide opinion. From watching footage of all these things for doing research for our articles and everything, they're very entertaining. And this was a very entertaining shooting. Yeah, as, as novelties are. Yeah. So after, after three shots each, it was two all. Derek Posse for the Whitecaps then made it 3-2 with a lovely, audacious attempt of just running and then deciding to chip the goalkeeper when he came flying off the line. That could have gone anywhere. So, yeah, I, went in the back of the net. Yeah, does it have to cross the line before the five seconds? Yes. Or, oh, yeah, okay. So then that's 3-2. Then the Cosmos missed. Then Alan Ball had the chance to win it for the Whitecaps, but he missed. So then up step for the Brazilian, Nelson Moray. He just had to score to take it to sudden death. He's running in on goal. It, Phil it, Parks comes out. He jinks one way. He jinks the other. He takes the ball around Phil Parks. But oh no, he's taking it too far. He gets the ball. He shoots. It's in the back of the net. But, but after the five seconds, six yeah. seconds had passed. The goal was chalked out. The Cosmos obviously tried to do a Sounders and tried to get it. No, it was within the seconds. But no, it's over. Vancouver are heading to the soccer ball. And we know what happened then. And we'll be covering that next week. What a game. You can find it on YouTube. I really recommend you do. It's an absolutely fantastic watch. Hey, did you write about this one for the website? No, that is coming That's up coming. very okay. soon. If you haven't read our articles on the website, I've had two for the... We're into the playoffs now on the website and we're doing the LA Aztecs game later this week. Then we'll do the Cosmos game and then we're going to have some special build-up to that soccer ball winning game. And that was 1979. Yeah, 1979. What a year that was. What a team that was. What a song that is. Yeah. It is a good song. And it's not from 1979, if you're listening, Gideon. <laughs> He's never going to live that <laughs> But, I mean, it, it was a good team. Sadly, there was no heroics for the Whitecaps against a New York team on Saturday. The New Yorkers, though, they were the ones that were celebrating, not just for the win, but they actually clinched their own playoff place in MLS with, with that win over the Caps yesterday. It moved them into second in the East. They're one point behind Philadelphia Union, who I have to say, they are looking very impressive this season. Quite apt since it's Labour Day coming up. Go the Union. We'll be saying go the Union as well in January and February when the players are hopefully taking the league to task as well. Oh, uh, yeah. But I mean... Hopefully, it doesn't, hopefully they don't just start talking in January and February. No. Well, uh, I don't know. There was multiple celebrations for NYC's Scottish forward, Gary Mackay-Stephen, yesterday. There was the win. There was his game-winning goal, which was his first MLS goal. And it was his birthday. Has this gentleman ever played uh, at is it Baywater, Bywater? Bayview. Bayview. I was screwed up. Yes. Bayview. He has played. How many times? Three times. And how many times were you there? None, because oh, it was 2011 and, you were and I was over okay. here. All right. But, yeah, he has played three times against East Fife. So, obviously, that merited speaking to him for 10 minutes about those games for Airdrie against East Fife. That's exactly what I did. Well, not quite. I had a good chat with Gary after the match yesterday about his move to MLS and a lot more. Here's what he had to say. 
special day for you as well. It's first goal in MLS and your birthday is, must be a very nice way to celebrate. Yeah, definitely. It's extra special. It's um, yeah, obviously it was my birthday. It fell on this this day, and um, first and foremost, it's it's great to to share share a win and celebrate a win with the boys and to score. Yeah, it's just icing on the cake. We were joking on our show. I was just going to talk to you about the three times you played against these five because that's my team. But we'll we talk properly about your career. Making the move to, to MLS caught me by surprise because I, there's very few Scottish guys come over here. What? When did it come about and when did you know that New York were interested in you? Um, I first heard of interest back in January, the January transfer window back home. Um, it was bubbling about, there was, there was some bids on the last day but it didn't happen. Um, but I still had you know, a lot to play for, um, for my club Aberdeen at the time. So um, yeah, just played the end of the season but the interest came back. Uh, in the summer from hearing kind of nothing from January like was obviously the the transfer window slammed shut just focused on Aberdeen and then again the summer it came up and I just you know obviously having thought about it back in January a little bit and then kind of switching off but then it coming back I just felt um, you know a part of me wanted to, to really experience it and come over to New York and see this new league that um, I know is just expanding and getting bigger and bigger and it's exciting it's it's great it's um there's a lot of challenges there's a lot of differences to back home and um always wanted to experience you know playing um in a different country in a different league and, and getting the opportunity now so i'm really thankful for that and I, i'm happy to be here I, I know you played with johnny russell at dundee united did you speak to him before you came over to see how how his experience was yeah yeah i spoke to him a lot i'm really good mates with Johnny Russell so that he was a big factor actually um, stayed in touch all the time since when, when he was at Derby and stuff and obviously he made the move and yeah through speaking to him he spoke so highly of the league and I knew he was doing so well and um, yeah he, he loves it over here so and he's scoring goals and he's you know he got himself back in the Scotland squad and, and everything yeah. so the, there's a lot of factors and um, obviously he's at Kansas City and New York, but yeah, it was it was a no-brainer once I spoke to him because he's someone I, I trust and um, you know think highly of, and um, I know quality player he is, and you know for him see him do so well is pleasing. Here in Vancouver, we have the issue of travel. Obviously, the Whitecaps players were late getting back to, to the game and everything like that. How have you found that? I know you've only had a couple of a weeks to kind of adjust it all, but. Being on the other coast, I don't know how... Is this your first sort of big trip over to the West Coast? or um, To the West Coast, we have had long trips. So we've, we've played Salt Lake City and Colorado right, as yeah. well. So th- uh, that was far trips and um, your experience in altitude in Colorado, which I've never experienced before. You're experiencing, yeah. you know, time differences, weather. So, and obviously having come and kind of almost do my pre-season here when the boys are up and running like I had the, the long break of the off season come July and my kind of pre-season's been in the middle of the season so there's been a number of challenges and it's been tough um, I feel I'm getting fitter now but I'm still kind of finding my level and my rhythm and my match sharpness but that'll come it's it's just a process it takes time um, but no, so far I'm enjoying it and I'm just looking to keep working hard and hopefully show my level soon Obviously you are born in Thurso grew up there I've been there 
East Fife played a, a friendly with Wick Academy once yeah, cool. and there were some Thurso boys came with us and then because they had promised with Wick we had to go and stay the night in Thurso uh, but it must be so different growing up in Thurso to New York it's like do you have to pinch yourself sometimes just how far you've come yeah of course uh, football's a crazy journey it can take you all sorts of places it's, it was a crazy journey before I arrived here and now you know I find myself in New York and, and playing games in Vancouver and stuff and seeing so much parts of America so it's yeah coming from a small place it's um, it's it's certainly unique but like I said football allows you opportunities and I feel you need to take them and just kind of experience everything and go in with an open mind and just enjoy it and embrace it all and that's what I'm doing and I'm really happy yeah you've been involved in some big derby games over the years the Dundee one the old the new firm one I know you were on the bench for one of the old firm ones as well making your debut in a New York derby and then like playing in that kind of atmosphere how did that compare for you every derby's different it's hard to compare them um derbies are extra special um everyone um it's just added spice to the game you know you the atmosphere it's a little bit more maybe intense on the park and you can really feel it from the stands because fans are always so passionate so um in new york it's no different um it's two newish teams but um, the fans on both sets love their team so much and um, it means a lot when you like we got a victory the last one and it meant so much and you really feel that as a player so it's, it's extra special so yeah Derby's are great and um, it's it's nice to be a part of another one as well over just here. last thing the, the team's flying just now I think it's just four wins now you've had on the bounce and the playoff positions are so tight just now, but this feels like a team that can really go on and push into the playoffs. Yeah, we feel it's, it's a great time to, to build up confidence and rack up wins. And obviously, um, coming into the business end of the season, we want we have aspirations to, to win not only our conference, but you know do well in the playoffs and hopefully win the MLS Cup. That's, that's the, the goal um, that we're all striving for. So... We just need to keep everyone fit and everyone confident and hopefully, you know, the team's scoring a lot of goals so hopefully we can keep it up and just take one game at a time but we're in a good moment right now. Great, thanks for your time today, Gary. Happy birthday uh, and good luck for the rest of the season, man. Cheers. Gary Mackay, Stephen there. And the music, Flyscreen. I want to be in a New York punk band. Flyscreen, who we featured several times in Wavelength over the years. So there we go. So yeah, Gary Mackay, Stephen, taking time to find his feet in, in MLS. And it's interesting because they've signed a guy that had just played a full season, although he had some, some injury things as well. But he at least got a couple of months off, which has been the problem with the Whitecaps signing guys who are coming from leagues that are still playing. And there's still a danger that that's exactly what we're going to do again in January and February, although MDS has talked about targeting leagues where that isn't the case, maybe. In- oh, they're mining those those leagues. They they know they know where to go apparently so we'll see how that plays out but yeah i mean that's not it's never an easy thing obviously the first example we i think most people would think of when it comes to vancouver for that is pedro morales but even yeah you're seeing it in this squad with uh, john Rise, 
I th- I forget uh, if it's the same for uh, Huang. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Been, he, he's and been then and I think, is there? Uh, I mean, if he says tired, and it's like MDS has said that, and he's he's cutting a tired figure out there. I mean, Gary Mackay, Stephen, there is talking about right now. This is basically his pre-season that he's going through, which hopefully then he's going to be up and running at, at full full fitness by the time the playoffs come. Yeah, but I mean, you you and all City Light fans, hopefully. Hope that he'll be up and running. I just, like, he's friends with Johnny Russell. Any friend of Johnny Russell's <laughs> is a friend, is of, a yours. friend of mine. <laughs> does Johnny feel the same? He's a friend of the show. He's been on twice. So does, so and does, he's done a chocolate digestive So does that mean I'm, I'm a friend of Johnny Russell through you then? Yeah. Oh, wow. We're all friends of Johnny Russell. I'll have to add that to, like, my profile somewhere. Talking to Johnny Russell, he got on the score sheet yesterday for Sporting Kansas City with a header in their 1-0 win. Was it a diving one, like Wee Willie Johnson? No. But they're all kind of diving haters, haters. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Yeah, I mean, that gave KC a 1-0 win over Houston. They're five points off the playoff spots now. Houston slumped to 10th. Yeah. They're, they're done. Yeah, I guess anyone could, could score against Houston. Or we'll see, we'll see. Just going back to the East, just shortly, like Toronto's draw at New England yesterday saw them leapfrog over Montreal back into the playoff spots. They thought they'd won that. No, they, they should have, have. They should have what won that. What was that keeper doing? Westberg or whatever his name is. Yeah, when you when you when you overtake a keeper for some significant errors, right? Like what's his what's his name? Bono. Bono, Bono like Yeah, but well, we always talk about he hasn't found what he's looking for. That's this right. Keeper hadn't either. No. But Bono like basically cost them like the CONCACAF Champions League, right? Yeah. That free kick goal and yeah. Uh, so when you that's, come, that's keeper. That's a keeper's life. Yeah. When you come in and you have a howler like that, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he bounce back or if they continue to show. If Vanny continues to show faith in him or what happens there. But the point, the the away point, did enable them to to uh, over overtake Montreal again, right? Yes. So they're they're they've leapfrogged above them. They've got two games in hand over Montreal. I, I still think they should they should pretty good for, for getting in it's hard to see them not getting in now in the west I don't know if you caught the game today absolutely fantastic match between oh, Seattle yeah. Yeah, yeah. and LA Galaxy as I, as I tweet out every time I watch these games it feels it's like, like a different, a different league, league. Yeah. and this this was just so good in so many levels and the second half was so entertaining it was just end to end stuff goals flying in it, it kind of felt, in a way, though, the Whitecaps were at that level defensively because their defensive play from both sides was pretty poor in that second half. Yeah, but, but they, they, they've nowhere... 3 an absolutely fantastic but, game. But Vancouver is nowhere near the attacking capabilities. No, I mean, that, that just, it's just quality, quality stuff. And Seattle now have moved up to second. There's a chance they could, if Portland take advantage of this stretch of home games that they've got and they're out of the playoff spots just now but if they get in it it could be Seattle Portland in the first straight round. knockout first round and I probably would head down to that I think not a lot else to do in October now elsewhere in the west Dallas's resurgence continued they did just beat Cincinnati and it was 3-1 and Cincinnati had Kakuta Mani sent off for a little hands to the face on VAR but it made it back to back wins for Dallas they're unbeaten now in three, and after them looking like they dropped, they're now up to fifth. This is how tight it is. Portland bounced back from two straight losses with a 1-0 win over RSL, 16th-minute goal from Diego Valeri, and then San Jose had temporarily moved up to second with a, a 3-0 win over Orlando, 
All the goals in the first half, two from Wando. The West just now, it's as tight as ever. Four points from second to seventh. Portland's a further two back in eighth. Then you've got KC. KC's probably still on the outside looking in, but it's a brave man that, that predicts who's in and where they finish right now. It's just, it's so tight. And it's going to be really entertaining to watch. Yeah. Who do you, who, forget about positioning. Who do you want in? Who do you want out? I I want KC to get in for, for our good friend Johnny, obviously. Yeah. Everyone's um, a good friend, Johnny. Seattle, I'd love to fall out. That's not going to happen. If I had to pick just between Seattle and Portland, I'd probably want Portland in over Seattle. Just, yeah, of course. I, I like Oregon. I, I still so have wait, this if you're gonna, if you're going to have Portland and Kansas City in, who are you dropping out? I would drop out Dallas and Seattle. Just, I don't think that's, that's what's going to happen. Okay. That's the teams I like the least. So, d- okay, Dallas could drop out. Yeah. Who, who else, Other than the Flounders, who look unlikely to drop out, who else you, would you have dropping out? Uh, RSL, it's, it's, San Jose, or Minnesota? Or, or Zlatan? Well, I haven't actually seen the, the score tonight because obviously we left while the game was on. LAFC oh, yes. in Minnesota. Oh. Can I have a quick check? I'll, I'll, tell, no, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you that right now. I'm imagining LAFC. It's a final. It's a final. 4-0 LAFC. 2-0. Oh. For the loons. No! That's at home too, right? Whoa. Yeah, that's, Genuine that's shock in. shock had not seen that. Is that their, that's their first loss at home? Or no, I can't remember. No, they lost at home this Did year. Did the Galaxy beat them at home? No, they tied. Oh, yeah. Was that a tie? It was a 3-3 three, three tie. It was a 3-3 three, three tie, that one. Ooh. Tell you, they're wobbling a little bit now. But they have got everything wrapped up, so maybe they're playing fringe guys. Who knows? Toy but got a brace. That's interesting. Minnesota's really surprised me this year. So I guess you have the Galaxy falling out maybe then? No, the Galaxy should should make it. You just want them there to play LA. I, I just want LAFC, LA Galaxy in the conference game. I just think that would be a magnificent game, and I might even go down to that one. Oh, really? Hmm. You know who had a great week? Because I think it's on. I think it's around about our anniversary, and I've always wanted to take, take Caitlin to Universal for our Halloween anniversary. You know who's having a resurgence? Is the Robin Fraser-led Colorado Rapids? Yeah, yeah, that's a surprise appointment. He's always linked with everything and never get this, gets the job. But yeah, two 0 win yesterday. That was against crazy. Red Bull. Yeah, I think that would make you happy. But it's all to play for in the West. Sadly, though, not for the Whitecaps. But we'll be moving away from MLS and the Whitecaps in the next part, where we turn our attentions to Canada. Hi, I'm Johnny Russell, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
from 1979. Little bit of slap and tickle for you there, Zach. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Never chew a pickle with a little slap and tickle. That was not the song that Steve, the absent pander, had scheduled for this part. But he's drunk at Cultus Lake just now. <laughs> out in a boat, pissed out of his head. That's oh, right, he sounded like that on the phone anyway. <laughs> so I thought, he's not here. The two songs he sent me for tonight's show, they're out the window now. Play a second song from 1979, which I was tossing up whether to go with this one or the Jags back in my hand. Now I get to do both. Always good to have a little bit of toss. Mario Santos will agree to that. That's why he brought in Ricketts. You are listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. So before we get into our Canada talk, just want to go over some tweets that we've had in. Most of them from Greg Petrie. I think he's the only person listening live. Oh, and John O'Flynn, he is as well. Greg Petrie says, I don't think not showing VAR on the screen is just an MLS thing. Not showing plays under review on big screen is pretty common in sports in North America. Yeah, but you know, I do those leagues, other leagues fine for it. That's my question. I asked Greg that, and I don't know the answer. Uh, I don't know if he knows the answer, but uh, I mean, <laughs> there is a... Uh, I, I I know like I'm just just I'm talking about the football world. So in the football world, I can see in European stadiums or South American stadiums or African stadiums or I guess even maybe even in Asian stadiums, them not showing things on the replay screen that would incite the crowd to be frustrated with the referee. Um, but here, I think MLS does it. The thing with MLS, they do it just so that they don't uh, they don't want to they don't want. Um, they they don't want to be shown up, right? Or they don't want their their officials to be sh- to be shown up, which is good to protect the officials in one sense. But I think what's more important is that the the right call is made, and especially when you have something like uh, you have something like VAR in place, like it, that should clear up all the all the all the problems. And that's why yeah. some some of the we talk about VAR. Some of the people, have, some of the leagues, and some of the competitions have done it well, where they communicate very clearly and and very quickly what's happening, what they're looking at, and they show you that. And that should be the same in – MLS should be doing that. They should be doing that in their stadiums. Um, if not with communicating uh, like you can on a broadcast, at least showing the images that are being showed on the broadcast that they know that the officials are looking at. I, I love how they've been doing it in the, in the Premier League. It, they've just like explained decisions. You're, and I also really the, like the, how they do it in cricket where the, they talk through everything and you're seeing it live. Yeah. And it's like, uh, can I just see this? I'm just looking for to see if this got this. And I, th- I agree with you on your point, but the Canadian Premier League doesn't use VAR, just so you know. No, n- neither does the Scottish leagues. Oh, so your two favourites? Yeah, because I think if VAR was used in the Scottish <laughs> league, there would be an awful lot of suspensions <laughs> and no, no goals. They'll no. be called back. Watched the Old Firm game this morning. What was the score? What was the final score? Uh, two 0 to Celtic, yeah. and a absolutely horrendous tackle by one of the Rangers guys in the dying seconds, which was needless, and got him sent off. And speaking of the only good thing from that game, Scotty Arfield played ninety minutes, right? He did, but he won't be playing for. He will not be playing for Canada. Yes. Good little segue into that. Yeah. Scott Arfield not in the, the Canada squad for the, the upcoming games against Cuba. We're heading into an international break for the White Caps. Hooray! And Canada is heading into two matches against Cuba in the next stage of the Nations League. Saturday in Toronto. 
Boo. Three days later, in Grand Cayman. I don't think it's hit by any hurricanes, so I think we're okay. Not where you'd expect Cuba to be playing a home game, but there we go. I, I genuinely hope that can can Canada fans had not booked any yeah. trips to Cuba. Well, I know people were looking into because they yeah, went last time. I know. Like Smitty went before mm. to Cuba. So the score was announced. There were some interesting additions. Marco Carducci, Tesho Akindeli. Some interesting absences, namely, as we mentioned there, Scotty Arfield, who John Herdman explained he's had a long season because yeah. Rangers have been playing European football since the start of July. So and he played the gold, the whole Gold Cup. Yeah, he's older now, so he's okay. trying to rest his body a little bit. And I think you can read from that, he's going to come in for the big games like against the, the US. Yeah. I well, also think Rangers are probably not too keen on him disappearing right now in the middle of... A very hectic time for them. As long as he doesn't come out later and say, I played for Canada every time they called me, like Dwayne De Rosario did that one time, when he didn't, He's a play, for, he when he didn't play for Canada when they could have used him mm-hmm. uh, at least he, once. He is the, the the country captain as well, the squad captain. Yeah. So that, it's not a great look, but I totally understand it. And if it's going to keep him healthy but, and up to full full fitness for the, for the games against yeah. the US, that's great. Because he did get a bit of abuse in Scotland for going to play at the Gold Cup. Yeah, but who cares about that? And not having the... But that's where he has to live. I know. Um, Atiba's not in the squad either. And he... No. I don't know if he'll be in the US game, but I think... I thought he'd retired. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I, I, no, I think you might no. see him again. Yeah, oh, I you, think, you I will think, see him again. I think he will be in... Maybe in for the US game, but if not, then for... If they make it... Like, if he's able to when they make another tournament, I think you'll see him. The next four games are massive for for Canada, not just in terms of Nations League qualifying and trying to get to the final four, but for FIFA ranking points. Not against Cuba, because of the way that the FIFA ranking points work, but these two games against the US, Canada has to get results in these games. The whole reason, and we went over this at the time, but we'll go through it again because of some stuff that we're, we're about to play in this segment. CONCACAF changed the qualification status for the World Cup. There's still the hex, but it's only the top six ranked teams come June 2020 that will be in the hex based on FIFA ranking points. Which everyone loves. Not CONCACAF ranking points. Why there's two different things, I have no idea. But John Herdman and the Canadian officials and other people in CONCACAF had been told it was going to be using CONCACAF ranking points. Oh, right, For yeah. that reason, John Herdman hadn't arranged international friendly, friendly games sure. against higher-ranked teams. He'd focused and put all his eggs in qualifying for the Nations League, only to have that blanket pulled out of him. Canada had raised up to sixth in the in CONCACAF. CONCACAF rankings, so everything was looking good. Even when the even when the president is Canadian, we still... <laughs> Yeah. We still have to go through this kind of thing. Right now, Canada are eighth in the rankings. El Salvador, Honduras, Panama are holding historic points. That's probably going to get two of those three countries into the hex. And it's kind of really crazy and obviously very annoying. So that was something I asked John Herdman about on a conference call that, that we had this week. And then Stephen Sander followed it up with, it with a question as well. So I just want to play you that now because... Yeah, it, for me, it, it's farcical, but we'll we'll talk a little bit about it after we hear from John Hearn.
just wanted to to go back and touch about the the World Cup qualifying. Obviously, there's additional pressure now on trying to get points from these games, especially against the US. But what was your thoughts when you saw what the the qualifying was going to be? And do you feel it's punishing up-and-coming programmes like yourself, Haiti? And is it going to make it more difficult to maybe attract players to the programme if they don't see a clear path to the World Cup? Look, I'll answer this in two ways. I think the first one is, you know, the initial announcement caused a little bit of shock and, and frustration. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you can't hide from that. We committed down a path of Nations League, uh, which involved Nations League ranking points. Uh, those matches were super meaningful for Canada. Players were turning up, or big players were turning up for matches. Nations League ranking points would lead to a path for World Cup qualification. And and then at the same time, we weren't taking FIFA games in those windows because our priority was to, to gather those, those ranking points. So in June 2019, we were ranked sixth. We closed 70 points on Jamaica and, and actually put ourselves in World Cup qualification reach with only a year left to go. So, you know, we were celebrating a, a pretty successful Nations League campaign and you know when you see that change then you know changes have been made and now it's FIFA ranking points and you know the gap between us and El Salvador is there uh, and Panama uh, and now we have a new focus our focus is to you know climb that mountain which is to qualify for the hex through uh, overtaking El Salvador and we've worked out all the math we've looked at uh, how real it is, and I think what it's going to take will be a perfect season from Canada, and along the way, Panama and El Salvador dropping some points. So, you know, it's all about how you look at things. I mean, one day I got out of bed and it was, you know, warm me, and the next day it was, what a challenge this is going to be. And 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 ultimately, that's that's how we're we're talking about it with the players. What an amazing challenge. So these matches against the USA and to qualify the final four is critical if we want to take the hex route. And I think, again, what we've said to the players, like, look, all we demand is, is the same excellence that you've, you've shown and the commitment you've shown. And, you know, you've seen that by big players turning up to this Cuba match. Uh, and those big players will continue to turn up. And if we miss the, the hex, Michael, the, the path is clear. And I think that's the one thing that, that everyone is probably in CONCACAF celebrating, that, that, uh, that the teams between 7 and 35, they still get opportunity to, to qualify uh, for a World Cup through a, a pretty grueling pathway. But again, you know, if you look at the glass half full, I mean, what a story that could be, what a football story it could be and something the country could rally around if, if Canada was to go through 12 matches to take that that chance of playing in the half spot, you know that you know that that's what Concacaf have offered um, to, to those teams that might not be able to accumulate the ranking points in in the time that they've got left. Yeah, if I could just maybe a clarification going back to Michael McCall's question regarding the qualifying system. So, were you aware that they were going to change to a ranking based system, but thought that it was going to be based on Concacaf rankings rather than FIFA? Yeah, we were originally uh, notified that there was a CONCACAF rankings table. 
and, and it was the rankings table was there. Like the, we were tracking everything and building all our planning on the Concacaf rankings. So, you know that that's what had been originally presented when the Nations League was was formally presented to the member associations, and you know that that changed in in July 2019. So, yeah, you know we woke up one morning and the rankings table isn't there anymore, and you know it's gone. So we uh, we changed gears. We've that's in the past, and the future's the future now. Stephen, we uh, we're, we're focused now on what we can uh, control and what we have to do now to put ourselves in the best position to qualify for the X. I always love when it's Canada week, I get to play the yummy fur, Canadian flag. Yeah, classic. And if you're fans of the yummy fur, they're coming to play in Vancouver, November 29th. Get along and see them. I'll be there. The whole AFT crew. What day is it again? I can't remember what day of the week that is. Hopefully it's not a Sunday because the whole AFT crew is going to be there, aren't we? Maybe. Yeah. You'll be wrapped in your Canadian flag, baby. That was John Herdman there. Don't know why I said his name like that. That was John Herdman there. So CONCACAF definitely seemed to have changed goalposts. And people are saying, well, why would the CONCACAF president, Victor Montagliani, agree to that? He is Canadian. It hurts Canada. The reality is, though, the Caribbean nations want more games, more competitive, meaningful games. They've got a strong voice in the voting block. What they want, they tend to kind of get, as do guaranteeing basically Mexico, the US and Costa Rica places in the heck. So I think that's the main reasons for it. You could be very cynical and say they just want to make sure that America doesn't miss the World Cup again. All valid points. (laughs) Disappointing for the players. Yes. Long road ahead for them. Yes. An absolutely horrendous one if they do miss the heck. Yes. It's going to be tough to close the gap, but it's not mathematically impossible. It looks like they need a win and a draw against the States (laughs) and then do well in the final four. If they just got two draws against the States, goal difference could be huge with these Cuba games. And then if they still get into the final four, they'll pick up ranking points there as well. What, if, what if they, they win sm- games, what if they, they have to have a perfect season. What if they smash uh, smash Cuba? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because they're below in the ranking, right. so yeah. there's no FIFA ranking points. They could win 20-0 in both games, and it, it's going to do nothing. It's all It might help their the confidence US. for those US Oh, games. yeah, could you? Michael, you, you, it was so funny to see you be like, you know, I mean, you know, it's not that hard. They just have to beat the US in the US. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, simple. Easy peasy. Who doesn't do that? But it's it's disappointing for the players. And a lot of them, well, for some of them, this might be their only chance of going to to a World Cup. Yes. And for some of them, they've joined and come into the programme because they feel that they had a great chance of making the World Cup this year. I know that's not why you should commit to to a country, but let's be honest, that is why some have have joined the programme. It's a factor. It plays a role. A guy, of course, that's been long-term with Canada is Russell Tybert. And I got a chance to speak to him a couple of weeks ago, so I saved it for this week just to to get his thoughts on the Gold Cup debacle, if you want to call it that, against Haiti, and just what his thoughts are on the new World Cup qualifying. So 
Let's hear what Rusty had to say. How tough it is now for the World Cup qualifying. It looks like you need four points against America to get some points that you need to get into that top six. These games are always going to be intense anyway, but does this just add extra pressure knowing that you have to get these ranking points now? Yeah. I mean, you're always going to have pressure. That's that's normal when you play with the national team and, and you know any, any game of, of soccer. There's always going to be some sort of pressure. Added pressure, maybe. Um, it's a whole new system. But I think more importantly for us, and the biggest thing is, is to come back from this, that disappointment that we had at the Gold Cup. We felt like we were building and, uh, you know, our exit was too soon and, and, you know, we were growing so much. And to, to, we, to leave the way we did and in the manner we did, I think everybody's just kind of waiting to get back and, and, and to rebuild this thing because, you know, it's not that we're, we're building from the ground up because we did lay down a solid foundation but um, we didn't achieve what we what we had set out to for the Gold Cup and, and, and you know there's an opportunity for us to set the record straight and to, and to make things right because again I don't think we exited the Gold Cup how we how we wanted to how we should have and, and the only way you know you bounce back is by playing in big games and in big matches and we have those coming up Just about that exit then well not even so much the exit but the whole tournament Folk were so confident, every player we spoke to was so confident that this team could go ahead and win it. Was that a bit of a wake-up call? Yeah. You know, looking back, even in you know, hindsight, I don't know what we would have done differently. You know, I, I felt we did. We prepared right, we did all the right things, and everybody was so confident, the atmosphere was so positive. It's hard to say what, what you could have changed, even in hindsight. In hindsight, it always seems 2020, right? Yeah. But it's just... I don't know. I, you know, I, I just feel as though we beat our, ourselves in, in in the last game against Haiti, and uh, we looked so comfortable that first half. Yeah. You know, it, it's just one of those things. We just need to get back together and and keep plugging away because we're, you know, we're we're going in the right direction with with Canada and, and the national team. Even though it didn't look like it because you know, the two years prior, how we exited in the quarter, and you know, there, there's real. Some would, some from looking from the outside in would say that there was no progress, but I'm telling you there was, there is, and and there will be. This this World Cup qualifying thing, so many folk, including in Canada soccer, thought it was going to get based on Concacaf rankings and not FIFA rankings. When you saw what the new hex was going to be like and how it's just these top six teams, what was your own personal feeling on that? Was it obviously disappointment, but did it come as a complete surprise to you that they've made it so difficult now for countries like Canada? to have a real shot I think you know it's always going to be down to the team and and the quality of the team you know at the end of the day it's about 90 minutes it doesn't matter how you set it up it could be more difficult or I want to say easier but simpler um, for some teams other than others and but it comes down to 90 minutes you know and and the better team is, is going to get the result and if you get the result you make it into the hex you know so Whatever route you go, you gotta win in, in order to be the best, you know. And, and it's as simple as that. You gotta win. This kind of feels it's like it's putting a line between the the elite teams, if you want, the teams that always qualify or nearly always qualify, the Mexico's, America, Costa Rica. 
countries like Canada, even Haiti, that's starting to turn the program around, this just makes it so much harder. But that, but how do you change that? Yeah, you know, you just get rid of the hex altogether and yeah. just have <laughs> no, something like European style qualifying. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, if that's the answer, but I, the answer for me is what you do in the ninety minutes, and it always will be. And if you want to be considered the best, you gotta, you know, you gotta beat who is or are considered the best and you know, who's considered the best now is like you said so um, in order for us like I said it's about the 90 minutes it's about winning the 90 minutes that's as simple as that okay, that's great thanks so much thanks, Russell man. appreciate it cheers man and I wear it for my lady the Canadian flag baby Why play the song once when you can play it twice? I'm going to play it three times as a spoiler for you. So Russell Tybert there just talking about everything. I thought that was it was a good interview. He was quite raw. He really opened up there. I hadn't initially planned to ask him about the Haiti game, but he just kind of opened up about it. And it's interesting he said he doesn't know what they could do differently. I think we could probably pinpoint quite a few things. Well, even John, even John, you know, has talked publicly yeah. about what he would do differently. Maybe not passing back suicide balls to Milan is yeah. a, a good place to start. But yeah, yeah I, I I don't know what it was with that game. It's just, did they just take it second half too easy? Haiti just were on a roll by that point. And I still can't believe how that game panned no. out. It's crazy. As I mentioned, Tybert didn't leave BC Place looking good yesterday, but fingers crossed he'll be okay for the, the Canada games. Someone who has been looking good off late, though, is Max Cripot, one of three goalkeepers in the Canadian squad for this one. And we have to just pay full credit to longtime friend of ours, I yeah. think we can say, Marco Carducci. Yeah, the first full uh, column for a, a player from the Canadian Premier League. Yeah, well, history-making in itself. Well-deserving. He's obviously... Totally, absolutely. He's no uh, stranger to the programme. Um, in terms of his uh, him playing leading roles at uh, at youth levels, played at World Cups at youth levels, captained uh, youth level teams, all that kind of stuff, and has been yeah a standout player in the Canadian in the inaugural season of the Canadian yeah. Premier League. And at the end of the spring season, folk were saying, "Oh, the best best player," and folk were talking about Nathan Ingham as being the best <laughs> goalkeeper. And it's like, Mister Eyebrows, that's not him. Well, yeah. He's- he, I mean, you can't get scored on from half two games in a row. No, I don't think anyone's going to be having him in the conversation now, but come the end of this season. But Marco's well deserved it. Like all goalkeepers, there's been a couple of things I'm sure he'd like to have back, but it's a, it's a great honour for him. And I'm just so chuffed that, that he's had this, this call up. Max Cripo as well. He is in some of the best form of, of his life right now. Maybe not with building walls, but. <laughs> In general, this, I mean, that performance against San Jose, what a thing you can tell your, your grandkids about. Down the line, <laughs> our defence was so shit that I faced 43 shots <laughs> and set a record in that one. But like, in all seriousness, he has been outstanding this season. I'm, with the form he's in, and considering, you don't want to say these games against Cuba are a formality. No, because they have to win them. They have to win them. They should be a formality, though, looking at what happened in the Gold Cup. Although John Herdman in the conference call, which we're going to bring the whole conference call in an extra podcast that, that comes out this week, along with a, a chat with Derek Cornelius and with George Mukalumbwa. 
So maybe something else we'll throw in there as well. So watch out for that, all you extra podcast subscribers. But in that conference call, John talked about this is going to be a, a whole different Cuba that you see this time around than what you saw in, in the Gold Cup. So who knows? But is it a stretch to say that Max might get one of these games? I mean, Milan's obviously in, in great form. He's done well getting his team into the Champions League group stages and he's just been in outstanding form for a while now. Do you arrest him for one of them? Yeah, yeah that's that's going to be interesting. Uh, I think I think that might be one of those things where, where John just talks to him and talks about uh, what would be best for him, especially if they go out and they... Uh, but they should are, thump them in Toronto. Well, yeah, if they're dominant in that first game, I, I could see them him not playing the second game. But that's also a little bit risky. Well, it isn't, it isn't, in that you're bringing in a quality goalkeeper. It's all going to be about the defenders that, that's in front of him. But I got a chance to, to speak to Max just about Canadian stuff as well a couple of weeks ago. So let's just hear from the Whitecaps goalkeeping legend now. I think you've read all the ins and outs as to how it's the top six and the FIFA rankings and everything yeah. like that. Did that just come as a complete surprise to like you and the other Canadian guys as to how tough they've now made qualifying? Yeah. For countries like Canada, even Haiti, Curacao. Yeah, um, it was kind of a surprise because uh, they released it what, a few weeks ago now, but we actually uh, knew that right after the Gold Cup. So, um, ah, right. yeah, like uh, John Ernman John told the group, uh, that was uh, a change of schedule, change of, um, of shape of qualifying, which it makes it harder, yes, but in the meantime, uh, we need to, to win our games. That's all that matters. Yeah. Right now, you know, uh, uh, all we can control is win our games, win its moments, and in upcoming camps uh, towards the end of the year as well. But uh, we, we have no choice, you know what I mean? There's no other way or other path. It's just going to go together and and grind out uh, results all the way through. That's the only solution that, that is up for us. Yeah. Speaking to a couple of the guys at Canada Soccer the other day, they were explaining to me how the rankings work and points and stuff like that. Beating countries like Martinique gets you nothing. Beating French Guiana gets you nothing. These Nations League games that are now coming up, especially the two against America, it's now more important than ever. Is that added pressure, or was this always going to be a pressure game? Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, I think it's you're right on both cases. Uh, no matter what, those are, are games that are even more important than it was already uh, is. But in the meantime, uh, you just said it. I think it's a little bit of both worlds where. It, those games was important no matter how, but it makes another huge, huge impression on it that we have no choice to win. It's, basi- it's basic. It's we need to win. That's it. That's all. The the gold cup obviously didn't go the way anyone wanted, but there was so much confidence from like John and players and supporters going into that tournament. Has it knocked your confidence a little bit, or was it more kind of like? opening your eyes a little bit or just putting it more in reality of just how tough this is for you guys yeah I don't think uh, I don't think it, it down our, our confidence at all I think we, uh, the, the loss against AD is on us it's not on anyone else um, we gave uh, we gave them opportunities and they took them where uh, we, we we actually gave the game and that's what hurts but 
Page's turn, we, we learned from that. Uh, we learned from that second half uh, against Saidi. Uh, but uh, I don't believe that the confidence of this team is touched by, by that because it was a big blast in the first days. But overall, we know that um, we are actually way better than this, and we made mistakes in the 45 uh, in the 45 minutes that cost us this uh, this qualification of uh, going into the semis. Thanks so much, Max. Uh, no problem. Thanks, Matt. Never tired of hearing that song. No, it's great. Yeah. We'll play some more. So, Max Crippo there, just giving his thoughts and everything. I mean, the US games are, are going to be huge. And as I said there, I like Canada at least has a path that they can get to the hex. The likes of Haiti and Curacao, though, who are turning their programmes around, they're totally screwed by this. I, I genuinely feel really sorry for them. And, yeah, at least for 2026, Mexico... US and Canada should be at least out of the qualifying, so it's going to give some of these other guys a chance. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we were just talking there in the, in the, in the, during the clip how Borian, uh, in qualifying risks are for the, the Champions League, has been drawn into a group with Alfonso Davies, Bayern Munich, and so they're going to be playing a couple of times, including on September 18th. So that'll be fun to watch, yeah. Well, we know the US games are going to be big, so we won't get into that too much until that's coming up. But looking forward to it. Should be two easy wins. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's a win and a draw, if it, if it you know, we could get by with that, I guess. Mm, I don't know. That I don't know if that affects FIFA ranking points because you, you've drawn against a, a team below you. I thought you said they need a win and a draw. Oh, against the US. Sorry, I thought, yeah, I thought yeah. we were talking about Cuba. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Cuba, they have to win both <laughs> games. Yeah, okay. That's fine. I was, sorry, I was trying to make a joke of your, oh, it's easy. I just uh, need a win and a draw. Well, we won't be talking about that next Sunday because it's our NASL Soccer Bowl special, but in two weeks' time, I'm sure we'll be talking about those two matches a little bit. Going to move into the last part of the show now, and again, because Steve's not here, I'm going to play a song of my choice. And people have been saying to me, Michael, please continue the, the Scottish rap. We've loved it so much. Sorry, so, what people are that? Well, one one person said that to me. Oh, uh, Caitlin? She hates it. Oh, okay. She, she Steve? Steve? <laughs> She's allowed to talk to me about dogs because she really wants to get a, another dog quite quickly. And she'll put up with me playing Scottish rap if I let her talk about dogs. That's the deal we've got. That's how you work compromise in your yeah, marriage? That's, that's how we've been married 17 years. <laughs> but there's a, a song I didn't play last month. I was going to keep it for the next time we do Scottish rap, which is December. <laughs> a gift for everyone I thought I'd give you all in December. So we're going to play that one after the break. It's Wardy Burns. There's probably going to be swearing. I hadn't planned to play this tonight, so I'm just playing it from YouTube. So who knows what words are going to come out. I will be back with that after this. This is Atiba Hutchinson, and you're listening to the AFTN Show. The who? The Bora Boy. The what? The what? The who? The who? The what? The what? The who? The Bora Boy. The what? The what? The who? The Bora Boy. The what? The Bora Boy. The who? The Bora Boy. The what? The Bora Boy. The who? The Bora Boy. The what? The Bora Boy. The who? The Bora Boy. The what? The Bora Boy. The who? The Bora Boy. The what? The Bora Boy. The who? The Bora Boy. The what? The Bora Boy. The who? The Bora Boy. The what? The Bora Boy. The who? The Bora Boy. The what? The Bora Boy. The who? The Bora Boy. The what? The Bora Boy. 
Are you thinking what I think you're thinking? Your career's Titanic on the brink of sinking So lower the anchor Everything around here knows you're a wanker But a boy stand up Just a matter of time Before this hammer of mine Hits the back of your mind And fucking damages your spine I'm a savage when I rain You switching on the backup generator Trying to salvage your shine Single, double, push high the fiddler This shit's sick, produced by the Riddler Don't fill in my shoe size on the bit As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I got Edinburgh on my right and Glasgow on my left You're trying to force a word, Asbo on my chest Wardy Burns there with The Burra Boy from Ur Wardy His album that you can get on Bandcamp I did, I did or, warn you Or not, or not <laughs> Anyway, we're back on the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio so, some tweets. That's the best way to follow Wardy Burns, I think. Greg Petrie again. Um, he says, Keep in mind they're in the middle of CBA negotiations. Per professional sports rules, all teams must suddenly be losing money. He also says, I think hardcore Whitecaps fans don't think this is a minor Bobby move. It matters, but it's been fascinating for me to hear from casual fans the last few weeks who think the same thing. I expected to have to explain it more, but I haven't had to. I I don't know, but I don't know if I'd call it minor. I think I sorry. I think it's minor in the sense that I think Bobby's going to keep doing the same things he's doing. It just now uh, they've they've taken away some of the accountability of that because either they felt the accountability was unfair or unjust because of who's actually responsible for different things or uh, or bec- or because they Bobby just they want to get him out of uh, they, they feel he's just being unfairly attacked period last thing from Greg he says I've been to rugby sevens every year it's been here and both ends are GA there's yep. obviously a lot of drinking going on and he's never had or seen a problem not saying none have happened but if it is it's been minimal and Rugby fans certainly love their drink. Anyway, we're into the last part of the show, and you know what that means. It's wavelength time. And I've got an interesting one from 2013. It's something a little bit different. It's just like a rap? Yeah. But no clack-a-lack-a-dack-dacks to cut out in this. It's from Attila the Stockbroker, and I think it's it's very fitting to to play this this week, considering everything that's gone on with, with Burry. Sadly, after 134 years of league football, expelled from the Football League, Bolton were very close to following them, but were saved. Looks at least at the last minute that they have totally been saved. But Bury have been kicked out, nowhere to play. They're going to have to reform down in the lower leagues. I think League Nine is it the tenth, the ninth, or tenth tier? Though? It'll be one of those. It depends who decides to accept them next year. But they're they're not allowed to play any football this year. It's heartbreaking for the fans. Yeah. Well, look what happened. Not like to be in the FA Cup or anything. Look what happened to your AFC Wimbledon. Yep. Now, now they're ahead of that team that shall not be named. Well, they're in the same division now, and they actually play on this coming. I thought Saturday. they were higher than. I thought they, they were. Yeah, the franchise got promoted last season, <laughs> so they're they're in the same division now, and they play this coming Saturday. It's live on the zone. If you want, to oh, get was it up. really? Yeah, four a.m. on one Saturday. Yeah, you can obviously catch the replay, but it's it's at the the franchise's stadium. Oh, let's I, see how many toilets we destroy this. I time. love. I think we did. I think we did in headlines. But I love how when they played, they played previously, and they said they got fined or whatever. Yeah, because they wouldn't put their name in the program. Properly. They wouldn't put their name in the program or the scoreboard. Or the scoreboard. So they didn't print a program for that game, and then they said the scoreboard yeah. was broken. I said, oh, it's just it's still working tonight. I don't know what it is. That was, that was heartbreaking because they lost that in a penalty shootout yeah. after scoring a leveler in stoppage time as well. Yeah, yeah. Revenge anyway. this weekend. Yeah, hopefully. And we always trash their stadium. So it's what is the is it the hockey ground or what's it called? It, 
Didn't they play their stadium as a funny name? The MK one. Yeah. I, who cares? But the, I thought it was called the hockey ground or something stupid. No, no it's, it's no? not that. There, there's so many tales in lower league English football over the years of mismanagement and people coming in that's not really interested in the football club. They're only interested in making money or selling assets of the football club or the ground or, or whatever. So that's why we've picked this week's Wavelength. It's from Attila the Stockbroker and it's a song called Only Football. His forebears were the butchers on the field of Peterloo. They led the charge and cut the people down. They ruled the mill, stock weavers out, beach artists black and blue. Made millions in some hellish sweatshop town. I'm sure he cursed his countrymen in 84 and 5. His queen called them the enemy within. He's the overseer, the usurer, drone within the hive, whose wallet is his god, his kith and kin. And don't tell me it's only football. His system defines ownership, a mess of paper shares, a slick deal, a commodity acquired. He pulls the strings and works the law so he controls the wares, then laughs at all the hatred he's inspired. Now we are many thousands and he is only one. But law and state hold him in their embrace. What kind of law, what kind of state condones what he has done? A state where social justice has no place. So don't tell me it's only football. And above all, friends, don't tell me, please, that it's nothing to do with years of sleaze, the shattered lives, the corporate trough. Don't tell me it's just a sad one-off That it's nothing to do with politics That politics and sport don't mix Don't tell me it's just bad luck Don't tell me it's only football Our grounds grew up near stations In old Victorian times Most urban centres then were barely towns Built for our teams, then left in trust to us across the years By people who love the game and not just pounds The vulture sees the soaring price of inner city land An ailing club which he can desecrate To us it's pride and history, the story of our lives to him, it's just some prime site real estate. Don't tell me it's only football. And above all, friends, don't tell me, please, that it's nothing to do with years of sleaze, the shattered lives, the corporate trough. Don't tell me it's just a sad one-off, that it's nothing to do with politics, that politics 
and sport don't mix Don't tell me it's just bad luck Don't tell me it's only football Our culture has been colonised Our heritage is sold And money men control our national game It's devil take the hindmost All hail the Premier League And if you can't compete, well that's a shame There's a superstore development And it's coming to your ground Some pinstripe butcher's waiting with his knife That butcher struck at my club He must never strike again Let's kick him out of football and of life Because it isn't only football And above all friends Don't tell me please That it's nothing to do With years of sleaze The shattered lives The corporate trough Don't tell me it's just A sad one off That it's nothing to do With politics That politics And sport don't mix Don't tell me it's just bad luck Don't tell me it's only football Don't tell me it's only football Don't tell me it's only football Because it isn't only football Attila the Stockbroker there with Only Football Love that song, love Attila the Stockbroker I can't remember who it was It was one of our listeners that put me on to him I knew the name, hadn't really heard stuff by him And he put me on to it a couple of years ago Some really good stuff, English musician and poet Sadly, there's too many people in football for the wrong reasons. It's all about money, especially in some of the games in England. And yeah, RIP Bury, hope you bounce back like so many of these Phoenix clubs have. But now it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. Or whatever that was. Now it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for local, national and international news, reviews, stories and a lot more beside. Make it part of your daily routine, morning, noon and night. Check out bcsoccerweb.com. What's been catching your drunken eyes this week, Steve? Steve? Steve, wake up. Hey, Steve. Oh, no. He's gone. He's absolutely pissed out of his head. He's fallen out of the boat, floating in Cultus Lake. I don't think he can... Uh, I think he's kind of... I can't. What's he drinking? Because he can't drink. I think that's Most. why he's in the state. He's just had a... Well, maybe... He ha- oh, there's probably... A few, there's a couple things that don't have stuff that he can... Ah, I don't know. Yeah. If you're listening, Steve, <laughs> I doubt it. Probably not live anyway. But yeah, tweet us. What, you, what were you drinking? Let us know. Tell us if you wanted to cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it's I, I'm going to do his. Oh, do you, I can do. I'll, I'll do okay, it. You, oh, yeah, you can, can do it. You can. Yeah, I've talked enough. So, uh, Canada Soccer Disciplinary Committee rules on Canadian Championship QR2 qualifying round oh, to yeah. allegations of racial comments. So this was where the uh, assistant coach for uh, Forge FC, uh, his name is I'm probably not going to pronounce this right, but Randers. 
Is he is Dutch background? I think he's Dutch. Yeah. Uh, he was charged with misconduct for breaching Canada Soccer's code of conduct and ethics, whereby he allegedly made a discriminatory verbal statement that escaped the attention of the match officials. So they gave him uh, they gave him a ban, right? A number of uh, days where he could not be involved with the football club in any way, shape, or form. Uh, he is denying the charges, which are which. You know, everyone has the the right to, you know, uh, ex- you know, express their view on 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 something on what happened. It just feels really awkward that that this is happening in terms of like so many people have come out and said that this happened, right? Like during the game, so many players. Do you remember who like Atakube and like? There was at least three, but some some of them hadn't seen it though. They were just hearing it secondhand. But he he vehemently denies. That he said it. Okay, so so, so his suspension is forty five days. Uh, cannot be involved with football for forty five days. So he, I guess, he is uh, appealing it. I guess is where it's at. So we don't know where that's going to land right now. But um, one one interesting perspective on this, Michael, is that or I, interesting might not be or awkward might be the might be a better word that his forty five day suspension is two days uh, or sorry. The time it took to come to this ruling is just two oh, days less yes. of twice what the suspension. So it took eighty-eight days, I it, think. It's absolutely crazy that it took this long. I know they have to do due diligence yes. and and you want investigate that investigate, but yeah. But I mean, it's farcical that it took this long. And I, and, I and said, forge or uh, cavalry players had to be flown out, to, I think, to Toronto to oh, like testify really? and they stuff. Didn't yeah. Go and speak to them. I don't. I don't think they had to fly out. Because a couple of weeks ago, I tweeted out going, what's happened with this? It's gone all quiet. And someone's like, no, I think it's been dealt with. I was like, no, it hasn't because I haven't heard anything. Yeah. So stay tuned. We'll see what happens, what comes of this mm-hmm. uh, denial and uh, I guess his appeal or follow-up to the charges. Uh, on a more positive note, coming from the Canadian Premier League, uh, one of the, obviously the focus of the Canadian Premier League is to is to develop and grow the game in Canada yes. in, all, in all levels and always. Uh, so one of the things that they uh, put into their their guidelines or their rules for the year was uh, Canadian players getting uh, young Canadian players getting um, significant minutes, so that uh, each team had to have uh, a thousand minutes played by U twenty one Canadian players, and uh, each of the clubs has now finally met that. Um, Pacific obviously is crushing it. They almost have yeah. almost oh they have over double of the next closest club, which is Halifax. Um, but yeah, they uh, Pacific just yeah I think it was three and a half games and they had this done. So uh, congratulations to all the clubs for doing this. Uh, we hope they continue to invest in young Canadian players, and we, it's exciting to see. Uh, it's exciting to see the game grow even in this uh, first inaugural year. Just a quick one stat here: some thirty-seven percent of the total available playing time so far this year is. Is what has been played by these uh, by players, sorry, under twenty five. I think it is. Yeah, it's, t- it's twenty two thousand total minutes, and Pacific FC's got nine thousand and nineteen of those. Yeah. So well done to Pacific. Represent. So here's a so we've kind of dark story to bright, you know. Story. Well, it was bright when it happened. <laughs> well, this next story was bright when it happened, yeah. but it is a dark story. Yeah. Uh, the headline is Denmark in shock after a football's flat is set on fire. Jens Stage. Transferred for, uh, uh, I think, 2.2 million pounds, it says here, from AGF to FC Copenhagen. So FC Copenhagen is the big club in Denmark. It looks like they came in to, to buy this player uh, to bolster their squad. And then uh, he received death threats or threatening messages, sorry, threatening messages on Facebook. 
Uh, and then on July 14th, uh, his apartment was set on fire, forcing two people to escape through a window. Yeah, there was a smoke bomb thrown with a message on it. In Aarhus, traitors are punished, you Judas bastard. Three people were arrested and are awaiting trial. Now, yeah, I like... It, don't tell me it's only football was a song yeah. you just played. We're passionate football fans. Yes. I don't think we would throw a bomb at someone's house. I don't think we would set someone's... I, sorry, I know I wouldn't set someone's house <laughs> on fire. I, I don't think I would. <laughs> what's the worst... I can't you, say 100%. The, I, I want to ask you what the worst you've done, but then... Well, the, the worst I've done, and I, might, I talked about this on the show before, is when we bought carrots to throw at a player because we said he was a donkey. And then every time he ran up the wing that we were at, we were throwing carrots at him. And the worst thing about it was he was our own player. <laughs> Doogie McCracken played for East Fife in the 90s. That that's a, sounds like a made-up name. <laughs> no, his brother Phil That sounds like something you call into Moe's. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that's Phil. But no, that, that, that's probably the worst thing we've done to a player. <laughs> And to your own yeah. uh, savage. I've only own. I've only it's suggested I've only suggested bad things, and to, uh, you know, in my defense, they've only been to, about flounders, and they've only been retaliatory incidents. But none of them came. I to did fruition. say I wanted to punch Nanny in the face. Oh, that's right. I'll get a chance next year, maybe. Maybe not. Nanny's your uncle. <laughs> um, he's uh, a goat. Okay. Not the greatest of all time, just a goat. Just a goat. Uh, Nashville SC signs first designated player. Wow. Ooh. Is uh, that a proper one or is that a Whitecaps one? I don't know the amount. We'll have to wait for the player star to come out maybe. Um, it's, but it's a German player I'm not super familiar with. Hmm. The German player midfielder Hanny Miktar. Are you sure that's not a made-up name? Because that sounds a made-up name. <laughs> Who will spend the rest of the season on loan to his, at his current club, Bronby before he becomes a full-time MLS player in the year ahead. And I'm just trying to see if we get a salary out of this. Well, we're back but, to Danish football. Steve's clearly been going through the Danish football news this week. He's only 24 years old. He's attacking uh, midfielder. He's German with uh, Sudanese eligibility as well through ah. his father. Played in the Hertha Academy since age seven. Well, he's played at Germany at well, U15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. Wow, was, you have a lot of levels in Germany. He was on the books at Benfica and also Dead Bull Salzburg, so... A player to stay away from. I'm not going to say anything because I always make lots of jokes about Germans on the show. And I, I won't tonight because like, people say, oh, you're being racist. Well, I'm not. Germans, not a race. They tried to be. It didn't work out. But it's like they're not. But let's move on. Oh, man. So speaking of Dead Bull, uh, he, he was part of Dead Bull Salzburg uh, there, Mutar, Mukhtar. Uh, people have been noticing that there is a well-bad stench coming out of the home of Dead Bull, New Jersey. Oh. And it's not, uh, I mean, obviously you think it's because it's a rotting club. It's a club that kills, uh, you know, club culture and history. Um, that's where you think it would be coming from, the, the, the deadness that's attached to the club. But Dead Bull themselves issued a statement over the foul stench at Dead Bull Arena. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Couldn't be any better. The, the club attributed the bad smell. To the nearby Keegan Landfill in Kearney, New Jersey, mm. and said it is in complete favor of closing the garbage dump temporarily in order to determine if it should be permanently shut down. Of all the press releases, I'm sure that their media team thought they would be be sending out this year. I don't know that that would have been one of them. Yeah, but we all know Dead Bull stinks. 
because they're they're rotting. Okay, uh, Media Pro. Uh, they secured the Nations League for Canada's One Soccer Digital Service, covering 102 group stage matches plus semis and finals played by the Confederation's 41 member associations across North and Central America and the Caribbean. So anyone who wants to watch those games, uh, get your One Soccer subscription if you don't already have one. If you're, I'm if you're season for One Soccer to snap up the Scottish League or the Zone or anyone, somebody snap up the Scottish yeah. League so I don't have to keep downloading. And rem- stuff. Remember, if you're a season ticket holder of a Canadian Premier League side, you get a, a little bit of a break on your yearly subscription. Yeah. Or if you're media. There you go. Oh, do you get it? Yeah. From- oh, but you haven't I bought it. I try to get a free one. But yeah. I, oh, you I, get the reduced rate. I got rate. the reduced rate. Yeah, okay. Uh, ESPN, uh, ne- next headline. ESPN triple USL live output with expanded mm. three year rights deal. The broadcaster will now air 18 games from the United Soccer League's Championship and League One. I know, not League Two. I was I wanting League Two to be... I want to call a game on ESPN. The second and third tiers of U.S. professional soccer. Uh, they'll be on ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPNU. Is that the University Channel? I don't know what that means. Uh, and for the first yes. time on Spanish League, ESPN Deportes. ESPN will also broadcast the USL Championship Final all other matches will be streamed live on ESPN+. Plus. Speaking of broadcasting, the MLS Cup moves further up the dial with the network yeah. return on ABC. For the first time in more than a decade, the MLS Cup match will be aired by one of America's big four national TV networks. That's good news. But again, remember, MLS is losing money, so feel yeah. bad for them. I, heartbroken for them. Um, where's, where's my Don Garber puppet? There you go. Uh, we, we already talked about all the, the football clubs dying. We don't need to talk about that again. Yeah. And almost dying. Okay. Uh, so one last headline uh, before we talk about uh, the best. Uh, <laughs> Hallowed be thy game. Iron Maiden played soccer in Edmonton and killed it. Uh, so Iron Maiden apparently squared off against players from FC Edmonton, members of the club's youth academy, and some local media types. Iron Maiden won the game 7-3 because FC Edmonton sucks. In uh, more exciting news... <laughs> Did the Whitecaps arrange the game against like the Rolling Stones or the Beach Boys? Or no, something? but Iron Maiden sounds like a bigger draw than the people playing in that celebrity game that you mentioned. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've heard of them. Let's have our let's have our Alfonso Davies update for the weekend. Uh, I just want to talk about this game real quickly. Uh, he, uh, I watched the game. It was great. It was on it, the re, the replay of it was on Sportsnet uh, normal channels. So if you don't have Sportsnet oh. World, you got to watch it. Um, I've been like <laughs> I've, I've been following Fonzie pretty. Uh, in, intently uh, and his play and the games he's had oh, in the preseason. Oh, okay. I think he meant like no? just falling around. No, no. Um, like, yeah. Like, yeah, I take quite a bit of notes when, when Fonzie's playing. Um, he, uh, so uh, Byron was playing a 4-2-3-1, which he w- did not start in, but he came on in about the 66th minute, replacing Ivan Perisic, the Croatian, uh, on the left wing. So on the left side of the three in that, in that midfield. And uh, in my personal opinion, uh, lots of people have hyped up some of his performances in the preseason and even last year, but this, uh, even it was, though it was a limited performance of roughly 24, uh, you know, 23, 24, 25 minutes, plus the four minutes of stoppage time, uh, which I think it was, it was a four, no, it was maybe only one. Anyways, plus the stoppage time, uh, this was by far his best, um, best looking performance. Now, I know it, it's easy to say that because Byron was already crushing Mainz at the time. They were playing Mainz Null Fear or, or yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, no, Mainz, Mainz null, null Fünf. It was getting confused with Schalke for a second there. Um, but the way he took players on and he put in a couple of really quality crosses, it was by far his best performance. And then, of course, he bagged a goal. The humorous thing about his goal, Michael, was this. Uh, it was his second Bundesliga goal. 
uh, in a Did game. He injured himself again. N- no, no, no. Commerce celebration. Second Bundesliga goal. This was in a six-one win against Mainz. Tell me about his first Bundesliga goal, Mike Michael. I'm gonna guess it was against Mainz. It was, it was so. This was a six goal and a six nil win, a six one oh. win, and his other goals yeah. against Mainz last year, and I think it was a six nothing win. So both his can goals we have play you every week. Yes, can he play every week? Here's the last thing I want to say about that game. That doesn't. It's not about Fonzie. Although congratulations, Fonzie, Fonzie on his first goal of the year. Is uh, this for uh, in Munich was also uh, the pre-match choreo. The pre-match tifo was for a group called Red Munichs, celebrating their 30th year. And the Red Munichs are significant to me personally, just because I know some of their people. Uh, when I first went to a Bayern Munich game uh, in 2003. Uh, when I went over to the German Cup final, I went over to watch Canada play Germany. Uh, after I went to the German Cup final, the next day I went, to, or the, that week I went to two German friendlies. And at those friendlies, uh, I hung out with some of these people who just go to every Bayern game possible. They, they travel everywhere. They go everywhere. And so I got to see a few people and some faces look familiar. About two or three years later, Bayern was playing in Chicago against Man United at Soldier Field in one of those uh, summer friendlies. Uh, so we made a trip of it. We went out, went to Chicago, went to the zoo, had a good time. But we went to the game. Did you go up the Panda Passage? No, we did not do that. Um, and so my wife and I went to the game and we went to the stadium and there was a group of Bayern fans there. And so I went over to them and I saw this guy who I recognized from my trip like three, two, three years ago. So I went to him. I said, hey, I remember you. I was at the stadium in Ulm with you and in Stuttgart uh, against Stuttgart Kickers in 2003. I saw you there. And I said... Uh, and th- so they were just, they were supporting like normal. They normally do. They stood, they squeezed in. I said, can my wife and I join you? And he said, yes. And his name was, was Andy. And I got to know Andy and I, I've gotten to connect with Andy every time, uh, uh, since then that I've either gone over or that Byron has come to, to North America. So the all-star game, Andy was the one who I connected with in Portland. He helped give me a ticket for the match. He's the one who I, uh, him and his friends, I brought them to the airport after the game. He introduced me to a number of the player, players at the airport, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Andy um, is one of the heads of, of the Red Munichs. And Andy is a unique guy because he both is uh, a supporter, but he also works for the club and is a, a part of supporter relations. So there's him and there's a guy who wears a suit. And they are they are the supporter uh, liaison people for Byron who work with the fans, the supporters, the ultras to work out. Just like you with the white caps. No, no, he's no, he's <laughs> like one of the. You're you're trying to get a job with the white caps. No, this no, is what the no, 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 that's never going to happen, and n- nothing I'd ever want. Um, but he, uh, so Andy's is this great guy who travels to all game and is both f- fully a supporter and yet also someone who fully works for the club, and uh, just a guy who's invested a lot into. Um, into supporter culture in Munich, um, dealing with the fun stuff like making choreos, but also the difficult stuff like when your players, uh, when your when your co- uh, when your supporters hate the players you've signed, and you have to walk through walk through all that. A, a case in point, Manuel Neuer. But um, no, so congratulations to the Red Munichs. Really happy for them, uh, celebrating 30 years, uh, and uh, it was a, a nice little display uh, that they made to, to to honor that. And Fonzie scored in the game. Thanks for letting me talk about that, Michael, because I know you love Byron so much. Yeah, well, I'm going to finish the show by saying well done to East Fife for beating our local rivals, Wraith Rovers, 4-2 on Saturday. That was the result of the weekend. I didn't know East Fife could score for. I didn't know either. Didn't do that when I watched them. Before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. Uh, for Steve Pander, it's at Whitecaps Beat. Or just drunk in a beach at Caltus Lake. <laughs> for me, it's at Zachary AM, and I'm a part of the movement Curve Collective. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, on Instagram at AFTN Soccer. 
check us out on YouTube at AFTN Canada. We'll be getting our VMSL videos up and running soon. Kicks off this coming weekend. Six games. Two at two, two at four, two at twelve. Don't know why I went in that order, but that's how we're doing it. 12, 2 and 4, the six games kicking off the Premier Division weekend this Saturday at Empire. If you fancy a weekend out watching some football, you'll see some familiar faces there. You maybe even see me as well. So until next week, thanks for listening. Take care and mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Yeah. Mm-hmm.